0: I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. If I told you in 1987 that you would have a little thing about the size of a deck of cards that you carry around in your hand and you, at the touch of a button, could talk to anyone on earth with it, video chat with people, and access all the known information in the universe. Yeah, (laughs) no one would fucking believe you. For 60 bucks a month. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. And not only that, but it would also allow your government to track every move you make. Yeah, everybody can track every move you make. do you see that? Uh, there was a um, an app that was, I think it was in Brazil. They had this app, and they took it down. Eventually, it was an Android app that allows people to turn your phone on, uh, listen to you, and record yeah. you. Yeah. It allows you, allows them to hear everything that's going on in the room and track you through GPS. That, <laughs> they were using that. They that, That's some of the shit they were
0: using in Afghanistan and Pakistan.
1: <laughs> that is some crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, it's weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, if you think about it, I mean, the phone's got it all. Yeah. Bluetooth. Did, did you have you ever followed any of the Stuxnet shit and the viruses that came out around that time? I can't think of the name of the other virus, but uh, it was had to be designed. They were saying CIA or Israel, one or the other. But one of the things that the virus would do is on a computer that was infected with it, it would search for any Bluetooth connections in the area. So, if your phone had the Bluetooth on, and it wasn't protected. If it could connect to that Bluetooth, it would connect to that phone. This is a computer with a virus on it. It would connect to a phone, download the address book, all the contacts, all that shit, and then upload it to a, a, a cache site, basically, where then they could come and get it. And then it would also wait for instructions. Wow. Yeah. Sick. I mean, this, it's not science fiction, bro. I mean, this shit—that's incredible. This shit happens. It's it's real.
1: Dude, when you saw that um, Michael Hastings Jr., the uh, reporter that drove yeah, into right, a tree right, at 100 right. miles an hour, yeah. did you did you freak out? I, you
0: know, I mean, yeah. It's is it? I think there's some people in this world you're probably better off not fucking with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it's an accident. Yeah. You know, I mean, there. When you have people that kill your nation's enemy for a living, you know, yeah. do you really want to cross them? Do you
1: really want to fuck with them? I mean, yeah, who knows what kind of technology they have? If they can do that with a phone with a virus that was engineered either by you know some super intelligent dudes from whatever country, if yeah. they can do that, what what else can they do that we can't do? That's I think that's where this reoccurring dream just kept coming from. That I'm so fucking stupid. I know I'm so fucking stupid. Like, in comparison to all these people that can make these laptops and make these phones and figure out these viruses, I I am so removed from the ability to do that. But you know what? To me, the thing is,
0: yeah, okay, but a lot of race car drivers don't know how to build a car either. It's true, yeah. And to me, that's one of the things. The biggest thing, like, what I do, I mean, the way I make my living now, and I started with photography. Before digital, if it wasn't for digital cameras... I would have never picked up a camera. If I would have had to pick up a camera and then go take some goddamn film and have it developed and do all this bullshit and, you know, every time you made a bad shot, it cost you a quarter, I mean, there's no fucking way I would have stuck with it. But because of the tools, this is a perfect example of it. You know what I mean? Look at what you've created out of shit you buy off the shelf. You know, it's a toolkit. That allows people out there to create things, and we've seen that now with, you know, film, anything you name it. The bar to entry is no longer technical, right? You know, forty yeah. years ago, if you wanted to make a film, you were fucked if you didn't have a bunch of money, because it cost that much money to, to do anything. Now, you know, so t- to me, the guy who makes it, yeah, he's a fucking genius, but the guy who takes that tool and then expands on it. And creates new things with
1: it's just as smart. I mean, well, it's, in my opinion. it's just what they you know what those people do though. I mean, they build off of each other, and it's, it's, that's where the, the thousand Tesla idea came from. It's like if you had a thousand of those motherfuckers communicating with each other, yeah But if you had a thousand me's... Nothing. Maybe a lot of figure dick out. jokes. I'll make a, an axe with a rock. Maybe I'll figure that out eventually. I'd find a sharp rock, and I'd be like, I need to figure out how to make these on my own. Yeah, you
0: know, I was driving out here uh, from Vegas, and I had never seen this. It's been a while since I made the drive, and I don't know if this fucking facility's new or what. But coming out uh, on 15 on the right-hand side of the road, I saw this. It looked like a giant fucking pond or a lake or something like that. And then there was a big-ass tower sticking up in the middle of it. And this is in the middle of the desert. I'm like, what in the fuck is that? Finally, I figured out it's one of those solar farms. Have you ever seen one of those? And I think this is how it works. I need to Google this shit and find out exactly what it is. But uh, it looked to me like in the big-ass tower, because I've seen some things where these solar farms, they have all these mirrors, and they all focus on this center tower. And then they turn that energy into, uh, I guess it's heat or however the fuck they do it. Whoa, I'm looking
1: at these images, Google images of solar farms. I didn't even know this existed.
0: And uh,
1: for California, it's a fucking crime they don't use it. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, like, why
0: isn't this fucking desert covered? Yeah, in solar panels. Yeah, you know, I mean, but for, then again, I guess if you look at, you know, how much how much fossil fuels does it take to create something like that, and how long is
1: the break-even point? You know, to that's where it actually point. is making sense. That's a good point that people don't recognize. that It takes a lot of fossil fuels to make things, make plastics, to make... Everything, you know, to I mean, just drive the, the cars. trucks to get the shit out there. Yeah, it's true. Know? That's a really, really, really important point. But and I guess even with, um, I mean, isn't it possible to make a lot of things without it, though? I mean, if you used electricity only from solar power to make machines that ran on solar power.
0: You know, I don't know, man. I was I, I thinking, I think, when I saw that solar shit, it got me thinking about, you know, oil. And one thing I've always had a thought about was after 9-11, I think the, one of the biggest fuck-ups Bush had was he had the opportunity for kind of a Manhattan Project moment. I think if he would have came out and said, look, we're getting off oil as much as possible because it's it's not a green planet issue. It's not a tree hugger issue. It's none of that. It's a national security issue. Because if you look at most of the bullshit our country's gotten involved in the last 40 years, it's for oil, which I'm not against. I mean, oil is a national – I mean, it is a national security thing. People who say, well, no blood for oil, okay, pay $10 a gallon for gas and watch your fucking economy crash, you know. So, but to me that was that could have been a Manhattan Project moment or something similar to where a, you make a giant breakthrough. And cuz this country's always proven that if you if you point it in the right direction and give it a mandate and then back it up, perfect example, moon landing, the Apollo program. They started with nothing. I mean, literally nothing. And 10 years not even 10 years later in that decade you know, there was a man on the moon. Well, depending if you believe
1: on that or not. But. I believe that said in this. But uh. Yeah, I mean, my point look, is, humans can get we can if backed against the wall, we can get some incredible things. And done. if he would have used that as a
0: mandate to say, "Look, this is a national security issue," you know, we're gonna. But
1: yeah, but you're sounding like he's like a real president.
0: Well, that's true. Well, I'm just saying the <laughs> opportunity, any well the opportunity was there.
1: The opportunity know? was there, but unfortunately that opportunity yeah. could have been capitalized on people other than the people that were monopolizing the natural resources. Right. And that wasn't going to happen. The, right. the the real issue is always money because the money's being monopolized right now. The money's being there's there's such a mass mass amount of wealth that's connected to oil that it's almost if you let people control that the amount of money they have they could have a giant crazy army in like a year yeah like you have to be really careful of that and it's 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 a shame that you know when you drive from vegas to california and you see those gigantic fucking open desert fields where there's just nothing those could all be just filled up with solar panels they could just be plugging cars in the the cars they have now are getting close like they have that tesla that model S yeah that's getting really close
0: i mean it's crazy what other technology do you use that's 100 years old yeah in your life think about it can you name one fucking thing you use day to day that's 100 years old air conditioning's not 100 fucking years old so refrigeration's what, not 100 years old what's
1: 100 years old
0: and the internal combustion engine
1: but do you think that it's the most fun? The problem with those it's electric sick. engines, those <laughs> you know, I've fucking, never driven an electric car. They're missing something. They're golf carts. They're I, missing soul. I did this watch. Makes me sad. Oh
0: god, what the fuck was that car that guy made? I forget where I saw it. But a dude, um, high performance electric cars. It, it's kind of a does a hand built thing. The car's like a hundred grand or some bullshit like that. But the numbers on it are sick. Is that the Tesla Roadster? No, this is a hand-built thing. This guy makes oh, some very offs Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, where the fuck did I see that? I can't remember. I'm terrible with that. But anyway, um, the numbers on it are crazy. And it's just like the torque, there's no lag. There's no nothing. It's yeah. instant. You know, everything's electric. It's better. Yeah.
1: So it's just, That's what's
0: sad. Yeah, It's it can be better. <laughs> but he, he was actually running eighth-mile drags with it. Wow. And uh, it was pretty slick. They're very fast. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know. You wonder, I mean, it's got to go there. I mean,
1: right? Well, it seems like it's going there, but it tried to go there before. Did you ever see that um, documentary, Who Killed the Electric Car? Yeah. I think there's got to be something better than what we're doing. It's this burning shit. And, you know, that's how you get things done. It seems like really stupid at this point. But But so does this nuclear thing. That seems like a really stupid idea, too.
0: You know, I'm not educated enough on the nuclear thing. I I hear both arguments. But if you look at, you know, it takes it's kind of like the old joke that, you know, you can build a thousand bridges, but suck one dick. (laughs) They don't remember you as a bridge builder. (laughs) It's it's like you can build a thousand nuclear plants but
1: have one Fukushima. But the problem is there's been a few. There's Three Mile Island. There's the Fukushima. And is it Four Mile Island or Three Mile Island? Four? Three? Three. Three Mile Island. Yeah. I said four on the podcast Four. Apologies. (laughs) Apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Fukushima. uh, Those are two. Uh, And um, uh, Chernobyl. That's three. So there's three spots on yeah, Earth. Yeah, but you can't really count Russia. You, Russian nuclear plants are just a
0: bad fucking idea all the way around. I think
1: everybody's nuclear plants a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but I mean my,
0: Russians, come on, man.
1: <laughs> but my point was <laughs> that you you're dealing with less than a hundred years of use. Sure. And you already have three spots that are completely ruined <laughs> right, forever. Right, right, yeah, forever. Shit, yeah. like longer than people have ever been alive. Right. You know, what you go back 100,000 years ago, what did that dude look like? 200,000 years ago, was that even a person? Right. You know, if you ran into that thing running around naked, eating fucking squirrels with his face, (laughs) that's barely a person. And that's how long from there to now, where it's like that's like the half before anybody can go back and have a picnic. And you still get sick. Sure. You know, it's still not healthy. It's not like living near a fucking fresh spring. It's creepy, man. (laughs) Is I haven't
0: it, kept up with the Fukushima shit. I heard it's bad. that uh, there was now. I don't know about the radiation and all that shit, but they were saying that um, there's actually debris now washing up in Canada and on yeah. the west coast and shit like that. It's radioactive. It's yeah. made its way
1: all yeah. the way over here. Yeah, it's really weird. It's um. It's not just that they they it's there's an inevitable loss. Of this water that they're using to cool down the the reactor it keeps getting into the ocean. It's getting into the ocean to the tune of like millions of gallons. So they send the water in to cool it and then pump it back in the. Well, ocean. They, it's not even that they pump it, it leaks out. There's a lot of leakage. They're trying to develop a, a system of holding it in place now. It involves drilling these giant holes deep, deep, deep into the ground and then inserting this machine that would essentially permafrost the ground. And so these like tubes, and you would freeze these tubes. So there's uh, these, all these holes in the ground, and then around it you would place this machine that freezes the shit out of everything. So it's a giant containment wall, millions of gallons containment wall for keeping in this insane nuclear water waste. But the issue is, of course, you have to keep the power on. to keep this machine on and the whole point with you guys fucked up was your power went off and then you couldn't cool the reactor down so you're doing another thing that's based on power right when you've already been it's sort of been shown that we have these ideas of what mother nature can or can't throw at us and it's only based on a limited window of time that we've been measuring it less than you know a few hundred years sure and even you know 200 years ago who the fuck knows what kind of shit bag equipment they were figuring out what the what speed the wind was (laughs) when it was coming in they didn't really know so that's a blink of a fucking eye in terms of the, the world and sure. how, how the weather changes. You know the, the weather can shift radically, uh, and there, it can do some really crazy shit. Yeah. So for you to count on you being able to keep the power on is just ridiculous. You count on being able to turn it back on, yes. I'm sure you'll probably be able to turn it back on. But count on keeping it on? Right, and if you don't keep it on, what happens? The thaws out, and all the fucking nuclear water—a trillion gallons—goes flooding into the fucking ocean.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty big uh, risk. It's b- that's a big
1: bet. It's weird. Sure. It's just weird. It's weird that we're. It's boiled down to that. It's like, how did this? This seems like a chess game that someone treated like checkers. Right. It's like they you can we make it? Let's fucking do it. Can we do a nuclear power plant? Let's do it. Let's right. just make it. Right. Hey, we can do it. What happens if the power goes out? Figure this oh, shit out. dude, don't worry what? about I mean, that.
0: That's human nature, man. We've yeah. been doing that shit for, you know, since we came out of the cave.
1: Yeah, but this is one of the most dangerous examples of it. The idea that you could just completely poison the environment to the point of, like, if you were an look, alien. You know, DDT. Would, it would look like venom.
0: DDT. Yeah. I mean, fucking cigarettes. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I mean, sure, tobacco I mean how many millions of people has that killed over the years yeah you know and it's just it, it, humans aren't the brightest fucking sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to shit like that Long, how much better
1: are those e-cigarettes planning. how much better no are those clues. things
0: I don't know I, I, I don't know anything about I've never smoked and I don't uh, I, I don't know anything about that stuff
1: it's one of the more dirty aspects of politics is that you'll never see a politician talk about cigarettes
0: too much money man too much cash too isn't that many amazing?
1: taxes isn't that amazing though i mean what a weird commitment to something that poisons people
0: but think about if you're a politician or, or if that's if you're in the business of government here's an item that no matter whenever you get into a tough spot you just fucking pass a tax. you know cigarettes and booze uh-huh. people will bitch yep. but it ain't like they won't buy it yeah you know the, yeah, I mean, you just say, we're going to tax it further. It's,
1: trying to prevent this terrible plague. And that's how you spin it. You and know, the way we're it. trying to prevent this terrible plague is by charging more millions money. and millions of dollars <laughs> from it and thus being connected to it inexorably.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, they don't ever let go of money. Once they figure out a way to make money from something, they just keep the law the same. It's very yeah. difficult to create laws that stop politicians from making as much money. Yep. To cut their money back in certain situations like this. Yep. You know, this the idea that That's the will of the people. It's so fucking stupid. It's a creepy fucking organization we have.
0: It's – I don't know, man. It's – I like the idea that our country started out with that, you know, when you went to government, it was service. It wasn't a full-time – it wasn't meant to be a full-time position. Yeah, We weren't meant to have senators with 40 fucking years seniority in the Senate. Yeah. You know, it was meant that you went – you did your service, you represented your district or your, your local area, and you know then you went home, and the next guy went, yeah, and we've turned into like basically any other long-standing country with a ruling class, yeah, and, and they put R's and D's in front of their names to give somebody something to hang on to to vote for, but it's all the same shit.
1: Not only that, they absolutely provably force out the other parties absolutely sure. provably make it much more difficult for them to be involved in debates if you look at the coverage of anybody that's outside of the th- standard two choices the coverage from they learned from ross perot I'll tell you what yeah. ross perot threw yeah, a fucking billion dollar monkey wrench into their fucking plans yeah he did and folks who were young and full of life you don't remember ross perot
0: ross perot cost george bush a second term
1: yeah ross perot was a bad motherfucker that's why clinton won he came around, Ross Perot came around, and all of a sudden there was this billionaire dude explaining how the government works, explaining the federal debt, explaining the, the, the federal bank, explaining taxes. And you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? He took Buying, out, time, buying on, time on, on network on television. That's what's so gangster about him because he was before the internet. This was not going on when everybody was online. This was like early 90s. Yeah. You know, what was I it? remember What it. year was it that Clinton got the on? The election was 92, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: 92.
1: Yeah, man. I remember my friend John was, like, helping with his campaign. He never helped with anybody's campaign. He's like, this motherfucker's going to get rid of all the crooks. He was so excited about him. Yeah. People were excited about Ross Perot was like the original Ron Paul. Right. But Ross Perot was way more gangster because he had all that cash. He had the money. And he had a way of talking, see? Yeah. Here's the problem. Hey, the Crazy man. old Fair ball-headed old fuck from down in Texas
0: going yeah. to tell shit how it was.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That was a real interesting thing. So from there, they changed the Commission for Presidential Debates or whatever they call it, which is a privately funded institution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this corporations back it. It's not, it's not like it's a, a government program. So they can decide who gets a debate who doesn't. There's old Ross. What's crazy... Situation ...because we
3: have a process in Washington where after you've served for a while, you cash in, become a foreign lobbyist, make $30,000 a month, then take a leave, work on presidential campaigns... Make sure you got good contacts, and then go back out. Now, if you just want to get down to brass tacks, first thing you ought to do is get all these folks who have got these one-way trade agreements that we've negotiated over the years, and say, fellas, we'll take the same deal we gave you. And they'll gridlock right at that point. Because, for example, we've got international competitors who simply could not unload their cars off the ships if they had to comply. You see, if it was a two-way street, just couldn't do it. We have got to stop sending jobs overseas.
0: It's probably a good thing he didn't win,
3: though. Really?
0: Otherwise, we'd be occupying China right now. Do you think
3: so? (laughs) $14 an hour for factory workers. And you can move your factory south of the border, pay a dollar an hour for labor, hire a young 25. Let's assume you've been in business for a long time. You've got a mature workforce. Pay a dollar an hour for your labor. Have no health care. That's the most expensive single element, making a car. Have no environmental controls, no pollution controls. And no retirement and you don't care about anything but making money there will be a giant sucking sound going south so we if if the people send me to washington the first thing i'll do is study that 2000 page agreement and bill's looking at the chick in the second row i one last point here i've called i've decided i was dumb and didn't understand it so i called the who's who of the folks who've been around it and I said, why won't everybody go south? They said, we'll be disruptive. I said, for how long? I finally got them up for 12, to 15 years. And I said, well, how does it stop being disruptive? And that is when their jobs come up from a dollar an hour to six dollars an hour and ours go down to six dollars an hour, then it's leveled again. But in the meantime, you've wrecked the country with these kinds of deals.
1: Holy shit. You gotta
3: cut it out. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Holy
1: shit. Ross Perot was calling shit in 1992. He was a gangster. I mean, he, how correct was that, though? What's funny is he was just talking about the auto
0: industry. I spent 10 years in the auto industry. I worked for Ford Motor Company for almost a decade, and uh, I took a buyout, and they, our plant actually closed a few years ago, the plant that I worked at in Indianapolis, but that industry is not the same, and it's gone, and people, and yeah, there's a lot of shit with the union, and, you know, you can argue both sides of that, and. It's like most things, there's, you know, somewhere in the middle is the truth. But, you know, that whole way of life for a big part of this country, that auto industry was, you know, that was that is the middle class. That was the middle class. You know, you could go to work for one of those companies or one of the companies that supplied that industry and work 30 years and raise a family and your kids could have a better life than you. And that's all gone now. Yeah, I
1: mean, there was a possibility for a guy to get a really good job without an education. Just, you know, you could get a really good job that paid really well and you could have a good living. Yeah. You know, you could have a boat. You could have, a, you know, you know, you'd have toys. You could yeah, have, you could have a home go on vacation you could have two cars and, and, and you
0: could, you know, I mean, like but when some... I was there, if you just worked a straight 40 hours, you'd make about 60,000 a year. Now, sixty thousand a year in Indiana, or in the Midwest, is decent money. If you worked overtime, you could get up eighty to a hundred grand. But you, know, you could, if you worked your ass off, seven twelves, all the overtime you could get, you could top out about one twenty. But that's literally living your life in the plant seven seven days a week, twelve hours a day.
1: But, did anybody do that?
0: Yes. Yes. And I'll tell you what, that was. I'm glad I did that because I was able to see that culture of and there was a long there's a long history there of because at least with Ford Motor Company nepotism was a well established thing that's how they did business uh they hired sons they hired daughters you know it was I was third generation for Ford Motor Company I worked with guys I literally worked with three generations of the same family wow grandfather father and son um and it's What years were this? This was, I hired on in uh, 97 to December 2006 is when I left in December 2006. So just
1: when the Mustang started getting good again.
0: Right, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, They
1: figured it out after all those years.
0: But it, uh, it, and there was a lot of institutional memory. And it was the only place I've ever worked where people, in a factory environment, because I'm from the Midwest and I always worked in machine shops, tools, tool and die places, stuff like that. And that place, you were proud to work there, you were happy to work there, at least in the beginning. But I mean, a lot of people that was that was one of the ways they defined their lives. They were a UAW Ford Motor employee, and it sounds silly to people who you know have never don't understand it. Or anything like that, but you have to realize you're talking about people that they weren't. They didn't have to wake up one day and make a choice between being a doctor and being an auto worker. You know that wasn't their fucking options on the table. Their options on the table were: be an auto worker, be able to send your kids to school and have a nice life, or go out and scramble for six and seven dollar an hour jobs for the rest of your life. You know, and that's so guys who bought into that. They bought into that whole dream, that thing of, you know, and, and the company pushed that. You know, we're in this together, company and union and, you know, quality and all this other shit, and people bought into it. And that was why there was such a big backlash when people figured out that, you know, no matter what the fuck you do on the line, it's not going to make a difference if the asshole up in Detroit decides to build a dog shit car. Or, or, or decides to like go buy fucking Jaguar and lose hundreds of millions of dollars on shit like that.
1: And so that's how plants get closed.
0: Yeah, and and not only that, it it just it we lost our plant because all our shit went to Mexico. Wow, I mean, it, it got to the point, and, and the reason why our plant started, I want to say in 1958 was when it opened. Um, when you have a plant that fucking old, eventually. You know, it just gets to the point where it costs more to fix shit than it does to move it somewhere else. So, why would you spend two hundred million dollars rehabbing a plant that's fifty years old when you could go down to Mexico, get out from under all the fucking retirement, all the all the bullshit that you know has accrued here for right or wrong, and So they just finally were like, fuck it, we're done. So what Ford did was they actually formed a company. They kept all their plants that assembled cars under, and they called them Ford plants. All their plants that built parts, if you didn't put a car together, if you put a car together, you were a Ford employee. If you didn't, they spun all their parts plants off, which didn't generate money. They were actually, so they spun all their parts plants off into a company called Visteon. GM did the same thing with Delphi. So they spin all these plants off, and they say, okay, you're on your own now. We're going to give you your own company, and you're going to have to go out, and you going to have to make your own money, pay your own bills. But here's the fucking trick. These were Ford plants on Monday. On Tuesday, they're Visteon plants. So now they're on their own. They're on the open market. They have to make their own money. But guess what? They've only got one customer, Ford fucking Motor Company, because that's who they've made plants, you know that they were Ford on Monday, right. so they were always made parts for them. So now what happens? Ford comes to these companies before they knew they were losing money when they spun them off to make parts at the cost that Ford was paying, and Ford says you're going to have to do better on the price. Or we're going to have to cut you off. And these were all Ford people, and so what happens is now they start cutting. And it just it was a, you know, it was a long way for them to close a bunch of plants. GM went through the same thing, and
1: and that's how they justify the moves to Mexico. Yeah, wow. it's it's you know it was why did the cars suck? You know the cars. I think
0: a lot of it had to do when I was there. The cars were dog shit in the eighties. You know, my, yeah, what happened? I, it's well quality. I mean, it was Japan brought in the quality aspect of it right and you know the old saying don't ever buy a car assembled on a friday you know you ever hear that yeah shit like that you know that was detroit that was america that was the american auto industry in the 70s and 80s and then they were just fat living high on the hog i mean they were just you know there was you'd you'd hear stories about these guys they used to have show up no show jobs to where at one time our plant had like five thousand employees there When I worked there, we had like 2,200, and we were doing more work than the guys did in, you know, the 80s with 5,000. But they would have guys, they would have, they called them break-off jobs. So say you're working a 10-hour shift. You would go in, you would go in and work two hours, and then you'd break off. And the other guy would come in, and he would work two hours, and he'd break off. And you'd do that. So, because what it was is each job had a set rate. So... But the thing is... they. I'm set, not
1: understanding you. What do you mean by break off? Like you, Okay,
0: say, so you, he, say you're on a line, okay? Right. And you've got to take this fucking cup mm-hmm. and put it here, pour some shit in it, and then put it there. Well, what they would do is they would say that's a two-man job. So one guy would take this cup and he would set it here. The other guy would pour some shit and then move it here. Now, eight hours a day. Well, one guy can do that. So right. for eight hours, you got two men on this job. I would tell this guy... Go get lost for two hours, and then I would do both jobs.
1: And then he comes back. He'd come back, and then he would do both jobs. And so that's how you do the eight hours you actually only work four. exactly. Two shifts. Yeah. Wow. And those were called break-off jobs,
0: and the plant was rife with them. That's interesting. And then they went through, and they killed all that shit, which they're supposed to.
1: So a guy could, like, go to the gym, have lunch. Well, it
0: got so fucking bad, guys were only doing a day on, a day off. They would come in, run their car to show they were there, and then jet. And then you know, one guy would work Monday, one guy would work Tuesday, one guy would work Wednesday.
1: So you can understand in some ways the need to get rid of American labor. Right. At
0: that at that point, when it gets that bad, yeah, there has to be a correction. And I also lived in Kentucky and I saw when Toyota came in there before I worked for Ford. No, before I worked for Ford, when I was a kid, I went to college in Kentucky. And in the summers I worked for a Toyota parts plant down there. So I saw that side of the auto industry before I ever saw the big money Uh union side. Right. And the way that worked was equally as fucked up, but on the other end of the scale. What they would do is they would hire temp workers, okay, and they would go in and you would do, you know, assembly work, or whatever the fuck it was, and they would dangle this idea of a full-time job in front of you. Now, this is in southeastern Kentucky where if you could make $15 an hour in 1993, you could live. You could own a house. I mean, because the the shit, I mean, $40,000 a year there is a great wage because there's nothing. I right. mean, it's Walmart or nothing or, you, you, you know, you sell weed. That's it. And but what they would do is they would hire these temps in, say, look, you got a 90-day probation period. You can work. If we like you, we'll hire you. You get benefits. You get all this bullshit. Problem is, and they hired you through a temp agency. Problem is, they never fucking hired anybody. They'd work you for 89 days and then say, we don't need you tomorrow. Send you home and bring another guy in. So they never hired anybody. Oh, wow. They just kept their employee filled with temps. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know they would find their certain positions where they needed you know supervisors, quality guys, shit like that, skilled positions, and they would hire those people full time, but grunts on the
1: line and shit like that I mean you were cannon fodder it's which... it's really interesting because there's like a cause and effect there's lot, there you know there's a, things were out of control mm-hmm. but the the counter effect of that is to just not have it up here at all, yeah, which is really interesting
0: it's and I don't know where it's to me what it is it's is it's, it's Basically, it's just we were losing the middle class. We've lost it. And I can see both arguments for that. You know, it's I'm kind of a guy like now what I do, I go work in casinos and I have to work with unions. And it makes me want to pull my fucking hair out. It's
1: the most brutal shit in the world. Did you see the Culinary Union is in front of the Tropicana screaming at people? Right, see yeah. See video? I put it up on YouTube today. Dana, yeah. Dana White uh, uh, let me know about it. This Culinary Union has been trying to keep the UFC out of New York. New York's the last date, last holdout. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of the Culinary Union. The culinary Union is spending a shitload of money trying because to keep of the, the UFC. Because of the station casinos here, right? Yes. Because the same company that owns the UFC owns station casinos, and they're non-union. And then their employees voted for them to be non-union, allegedly. right. According to the information yeah, I mean, that I've read, yeah. I should say I shouldn't say allegedly. I should say to, be, to the best of my knowledge, they don't. They didn't want it to be union. They would have to pay union dues. If you right. get paid well by your company, you don't have to. You know, no, yeah, there's, there's no, no use for it. They're like yelling at people while these people were going to, into this casino. They're telling people not to go in because the casino's not union. So they're being bullies. They're, they're bullying people that are walking into the casino that's just so it 's so unfortunate because it used to be that unions were there to make sure that people have a good wage and protect your rights and make sure that you can you know you get a fair share of of your you know your effort that right. helps build that business it's a great idea. But like all great ideas, I sometimes they get contaminated with cunts.
0: And that's the cunts, and the fact that people found out that it's a way to make easy money.
1: Well, the amount of money that they would win if they had station casinos turn union is like in the millions and billions a year.
0: Well, it's it's not even as much money. It's it is as much money, but as much as it is money, it's power mm-hmm. and influence. Yeah, and yeah. and voting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is a national thing. I remember every time because I was always I mean I'm if I had to put a label on myself I'm I'm right you know I would I would lean conservative I would lean to the right but I don't identify with either party but the union all every election would come up and they would say look you got to vote for mm-hmm. you know the democrat no matter what because if not these republicans they're going to take your job they're going to rape your children you know they're going to put your wife in the basement and they were just and it, they were a single issue thing and To me, you know, okay, yeah, if I vote for this, I vote for my job. But I'm also voting against almost everything else I believe in. So but if and if I don't go that way, then you're going to call me an asshole. And I'm supposedly a union brother. Mm. You know what I mean? But if I decide to go a different way, now I'm a prick.
1: Well, that becomes a problem in almost any organization when you have very controlled you, know, you have a controlled environment where it's not based on the opinion of the masses. You're, you're supposed to go with the way that the, right. the head of the snake wants to go. Exactly. It becomes a problem in every single organization. As soon as you, there's some sort of a struggle, rules are set down, everything becomes defined, now it's an ideology, now you're part of a tribe, right. and now it goes bad. Yeah. It's just we don't do good like that, man. And when we're, It's us versus them. It's o- almost always it turns out shitty. It's like you got to realize there's no them. It's, you know, we, you, you make everybody us. It yeah. is it is possible as right, a human yeah. race to make everybody us. It doesn't have to be an us versus them. It's just you have to find out the elements of society that are problematic and figure out how to fix them or root them out. But you know what? I think since time
0: began, somewhere there was a fucking caveman standing on top of whatever the hill was. It had the best shade and mm-hmm. the cleanest water. <laughs> and, you know, and that's all day. And it's just, it's, you look throughout the world. I mean, in America, we've been able to pretty it up, sand the edges off, you know, we make it look nice. And, uh,
1: but it's the same shit. It's exactly the same shit. When you see Obama decrying the use of chemical weapons, (laughs) think about how many motherfuckers have died by drones. Right. It's like, come on, son. That's ridiculous. What you're doing is ridiculous. It's okay to use robots that shoot hellfire missiles from the sky <laughs> right. but it's not okay to use chemicals yeah. come on you're being a silly man yeah it's i, I and i it's agree it's the same shit it, it's i tell you what man i was really surprised
0: that you got to hand it to putin for how you handle that situation he's gangster as fuck i mean he made obama look like a, a
1: child well he makes obama look like a child on a regular did you yeah. do you hear about the time they met at this conference? they were supposed to meet at this conference and obama's people uh wanted the gym at the same time that putin wanted the gym and there was like a scheduling conflict so Putin said I don't give a shit let him have the gym so he went swimming in the lake outside the gym (laughs) Putin jumps in the lake and he's doing laps in the fucking lake out there with nature while Obama's doing aerobics with scrunchy socks (laughs) I mean Putin is gangster as fuck he goes fly fishing bare chested riding Um, fucking buffaloes and shit he's an animal yeah he's a savage and I don't know if that's good or bad I don't know if it's good or bad. I guess it's well, bad if you're his a,
0: enemy. There's there's a great documentary uh, that I think it's the Canadian broadcast CBC did. I think it's called the Putin 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 whatever the fuck his name is the Putin system, and it traces his history from the time he was in college to now, and how
1: he got to where he is. And uh, look at that, greetings from Russia, right? <laughs> He's yeah. out fishing and shit. This handsome bastard. Even while balding, somehow or another, he manages to carry it well. But that program, I guess when he was uh,
0: in high school, he went to a KGB office and said, I want to be in the fucking KGB. And the KGB said, we'll tell you who's going to be in the fucking KGB. But if you are, this is what we're looking for. So he went to college and basically followed the the guidance he was given. And sure enough, they tapped him when he was in college. And he went into the KGB. The old school. This is Russia. Missiles pointed at us, you know, shit. And, uh, but that's how he got his start. And people that are a lot fucking smarter than me that have been all over the world, and I pay attention to what they say, all say that this guy is a problem. I mean, he's going to be a fucking issue. And if you look at what he's done the last 15 years, you know, I mean... He was president of Russia, and then term limits kick in or whatever. And he's like, "Okay, I can't be president. I'll be fucking prime minister." <laughs> and so yeah. he has a he, he elects his buddy, you know, president or whatever. His term ends, and he goes, "Okay, I'm going to be president again." So, I mean, this guy, he's just he's a he's a fucking gangster, and he needs to be respected. But there's I've noticed in the U.S. it's like there's there's this feeling that oh, he's a cool guy yeah you know he's just you know he's not a cool guy (laughs) well there's a lot of confusion
1: in the u.s. amongst uh, what i'll call progressive kids Mm -hmm. um it's uh young people that their heart is in the right place and they are they they have some good ideas about the inequalities of the world but they approach them in a very strange way like um people in progressive people will consistently talk about islamophobia and they will talk about how, you know, the the, the restrictions on people's religious freedoms that are Muslim, uh, people uh, that are Islamic, that this is like a really horrendous piece of racism. Yet, they will openly criticize Christianity.
0: Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Openly, Make fun of them.
1: mockingly criticize Mormonism. Sure. Openly, mockingly criticize— in, in, And it's like, as any smart person would know, blank, you know, and but yet Islam is because these people are brown, because the idea that they've been marginalized, because many people that are are from that culture are not violent at all, just like many Christians are not violent at all. And they should not be defined by the 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 most radical, the most radical aspects of their religion. I agree with that wholeheartedly, 100 percent. But I don't ever see progressive people getting on people for making fun of Christians. It's like it's de rigueur. Right. It's it's part of the program. Yeah. Everybody's got to have their whipping boy,
0: you know? Yeah. It's It's interesting. That that was kind of one of the things that – I don't know what it is in this country, it seems, in particular with the whole fucking hipster thing, Mm -hmm. which, you know. But it seems like, you know – when I was, and I don't want to get into the, I'm because I am getting to be an old motherfucker, but you know, it, to me, when I was raised up, it was you know, you you were taught that it was okay to be proud of where you're from, of where you grew up, mm-hmm. and the struggles, and, and you know, you were taught fucking history. You know, I mean, I look now, it's, I talk to some kids, like high school kids, friends of mine's kids, that are thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, and I ask them, you know, you know, just about any kind of American history and some of the shit they tell me just blows my fucking mind most of it is what they don't know you know And, and, and yeah they all
1: know almost nothing
0: right <laughs> and, and how it's all being tilted and I'll tell you here's a perfect fucking example there's a great video I was watching and it was a guy giving a talk on the constitution and he asked he had a room full of this guy it, it was a, a class and a firearm school So you've got a bunch of right-wing fucking, you know, the left would say, God-loving, gun-toting these guys, you know, constitutional guys, as you would think. So he says, he starts off and he asks, you know, basically, name me the four members of the Simpsons family. Everyone in that fucking place could name him all four members of the Simpsons. He said, now, name me the four rights guaranteed you under the First Amendment of the Constitution. Nobody could do it. These are adults. I couldn't do it. I could name you three, but I couldn't name What's you four. What's the fourth? fourth? What are they? The right to petition your government for redress, right to assembly, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. Hmm. Those are the four rights guaranteed you under the First Amendment.
1: Isn't it fascinating that even back then they were engineering against tyranny? Fuck like yes, they were. They knew. They're like, listen, this could get bad. Like, we have a good idea yeah. right now, and we're we're, we're we're establishing it here right now, but this could get bad. If it gets infected with... The very cunts that and, are infecting and, it and, right and now. they knew it was going to infected. If you go back and you look at the shit they did, and what happens
0: is everybody, you know, the people on the other side of this marginalize it because they say, oh, well, they own slaves. Oh, well, okay, four-fifths of a man or whatever, you know. And, and they marginalize all the good shit by the bad shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's true. Yeah, some of the shit they did didn't make sense.
1: But that doesn't mean the shit that they did do that does make sense is irrelevant. Well, it doesn't make sense today. And that's what people have to understand. Mm -hmm. There's things that we do today that will be considered barbaric a thousand years from now. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. There's privatized prisons will be looked down upon with incredible contempt and scorn. Privatized prisons will go down in history as one of the most ignored, horrific injustices the idea that people can profit and, be- and that they can spend their money to make sure that people get locked up more often Sick. so that they can profit. It's incredibly insane. There's a lot of shit that's going to go down in our future in the future of human beings, where this day will be criticized openly for human rights violations. All the shit that we were talking about earlier, where you're allowing people to work, you know, in a foreign country, third world country, for a fraction of the amount of money that it would take. You're ensuring poverty, you know, taking full advantage on disenfranchised human beings. That's going to be looked in the future upon, you know, they're going to look on that like that's a horrific thing, just like slavery.
0: But you know what? At the same time... uh, you know, if you're a guy in China and your options are maybe starve to death if the fucking rains don't come that year or go work for, you know, a dollar a day in a Nike factory and live in a dormitory and work your ass off from dawn to dusk. But you're going to eat, you know, it, it's, you know, one of the best things that I, I I was watching. I forget what the fuck it was, but a guy wasn't Thomas Friedman. Um, maybe it was Friedman. But he was talking about, like, what's going on in China right now. It's like the last 100 years of American history all going on at the same time. Wow. Because you're going from an agrarian—and certain parts of the country, it's going from an agrarian society, you know, to where basically it was almost subsistence farming. You know, they would raise crops. They would sell—and that's what they did. You, you, you went up—you worked every day so you didn't fucking starve in the winter. And— Then you've got other parts that are going through almost the early 1900s with, you know, the Industrial Revolution and all the problems that go through that. And then you go to certain parts of it, and it's cutting edge, you know, 21st century technology and finance and everything else. But you've got all this going on in one country. And that's, you know, that's kind of like a a microcosm of what's going on all over the world. When you go to these certain places like Malaysia or Bangladesh or some of these other fucked up countries, you know, can you blame a guy for going and sewing shoes for a dollar a day if his only no. option is to starve to death? No, I, I totally is understand. is the guy who comes and brings that job, you know, is he a complete fucking asshole for doing it or, you know?
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's the, that argument. It's, that's my, like many things in life. There's no real black and white. There's yeah. a lot I mean, of. I I don't know variance. the answer.
0: I mean, it's like to me, I see if you're a hardcore capitalist, then and I believe in capitalism, then it's, you know, then you, you know, if the smart that can adapt and improvise and adapt will will prosper. Yeah. And if perfect example like me, you know, I mean, I was a fucking auto worker. And it was a, it was a mindless job. It was retarded how much money they paid us to do this shit. I'll be the first one to tell you. $32 an hour to take this and go like that. I mean, over and over and over. It was fucking crazy. And benefits better than almost anyone in the country. From the time I was born until December of 2006, I almost never paid a doctor bill. Wow. Because I was covered under that that program.
1: That's incredible. Yeah.
0: Eyeglasses, all pretty much free. I mean,
1: just everything. How much more money must they be making now than they were making back then? I don't The, the know. profit would, margins must be insane.
0: You would think. I mean, I haven't kept up with the auto industry because it was one of those things to where I lived it every day. You know, it was – at one point when I was there, you could ask the dumbest, toothless-looking motherfucker on the floor what the stock price that day, and he could probably tell you. Wow. Because there was profit sharing.
1: Wow. So if
0: the stock was up, we're getting a check.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. But uh and everybody was like, you know what, man, these Mexicans are not gonna get a check. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get a dollar an hour and no check. And the rest of that money goes to us. Well,
0: one of the things that they used to tell us, and I don't know, I've never seen a fucking Mexican auto plant, but they said that one of the biggest differences when you looked at a Mexican auto plant compared to an American auto plant, Mexican auto plants don't have parking lots ooh!
1: because their workers don't own cars. They don't drive. They they bus them in. They bus them in or they walk. Something happened, man. I don't know what the fuck happened, but something absolutely happened in the design aspect of American cars where they went from the coolest-looking fucking things of all time to shit in 10 years. I think it was corporate. If you go back and you look at
0: the cool fucking cars, Zora Duntov with the Corvette, Carroll Shelby, you know. With if the- you're a
1: weirdo, you go into the 50s. Yeah. If you're a weirdo. Yeah. But if you're a regular guy who appreciates a muscle car, yeah. you stay in the 60s to, yeah. to about 73. Right. Well,
0: seven. yeah. Well, that was the, was it Cafe? Was that what it was? Where well, they 73,
1: had- they came out with that fucked up Chevelle. Yeah. Like the Chevelle that looked like shit. Well, the Mustang II and all that bullshit yeah. in like the early mid-70s. But uh, it, what it, that was
0: insurance and gas. You know, it's when right, they, when they right. made them put in the – you couldn't have a car
1: that got four miles to the gallon anymore, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, they, the catalytic converters and un, switching to unleaded gasoline, that was all – that all uh, harmed the muscle cars. You know, I was thinking about it today about on the way over here.
0: Um, you know, you hear all – like now, that you know, government shut down, all this shit, and people are saying, you know, the United States could default on the debt and we could all end up fucked. And you hear all the gloom and doom scenarios. But I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know what, man? I'm old enough to remember gas lines. You know, I was a kid. I was a little kid, but I remember that. And I remember people talking about it. And just, you know, when everybody was out of work, Carter was president. You know, I was born in 73. So I remember when I'm, you know, like five, six years old, shit like that. But, you know, and it's not that bad yet. No. But, But the difference is with social media, everyone's so much more connected now. Because back then, you know, the only time you got your global fix was at 30 minutes at night between 5 and 5.30 or 6 o'clock when the news was on. And now you can't fucking get away from it.
1: It must have been so easy to run the world back then. Right. Think about <laughs> it. I and mean... they, still, they still got busted with that Oliver North thing. And that was oh, still yeah. on TV, even yeah. back then, which is hard to believe because... It must have been so easy to hide shit and it still just blew up in their face. Well, I
0: was reading, I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Way of the Knife and it's a book about how basically, like we were talking about the drone shit and to where the the, it's kind of the CIA uh, boondoggles of the 60s, like they were trying to poison fucking Castro and all this other bullshit and Congress basically called them on it. So I forget, was it Ford? I can't remember the president, but basically wrote the presidential order that says no fucking assassination. You know, you assholes can no one in the You can't assassinate another foreign official. It's illegal. No more. And that was to stop all the bullshit with the CIA. And because they were kind of running rogue there, not only with Castro, but in other parts of the the world. And uh, it goes on. And then the guy right makes a pretty interesting you know progress of how we got from that to after september you know 9 11 it was like okay let's burn that motherfucker Mm -hmm. because now we're killing everybody and so and that's where we are today with this shit to where and what's crazy is a bush i was talking to a dude um he was an instructor at a training class i was at and uh Ex-Special Forces guy, did like 20 years, one of the most intelligent dudes I've ever met. Been all over the world, done everything fucking twice. And we were talking about it, and he goes, you know, people bitch about Obama, about, you know, he's weak on this, weak on that. But when Bush was in office, they had like, I think, 30 or 40 drone strikes in Pakistan. And then when Obama came in, hundreds. They were killing motherfuckers like it's free. (laughs) And he's just like, you know, so the guys that are on the ground doing this shit are like, fuck yeah, you know. And it's, it's crazy, though. There's a fucking target list. There's a list that if your fucking name is on it and you're in Pakistan, you're fucked.
1: Yeah. Missiles are coming <laughs> from the sky. Right. Exactly. So find out where you are. Missiles are coming from the sky. Yeah. And you ain't going to make it. And, and, and a lot of times, fucking Obama
0: Has to check off on that.
1: Yeah, and the amount of people that get killed that you're supposed to kill versus the amount of people that accidentally get killed, boy, is that a shocking number? Yeah, but ninety eight percent the wrong people. (laughs) Is it? Is that? I mean, uh... yes that's what i've read i mean obviously i'm not out there fucking counting bodies yeah i'm not giving you the most accurate readings humanly possible i'm getting it based on a bunch of different things that i've read online but i don't know
0: accurate sources i
1: i could see that there's a lot of fuck ups but uh, it's in the 90s
0: i'm gonna guess that you know i don't know maybe but i could definitely see six guys being in a
1: car Mm-hmm. and one of them being the guy, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: you know, yeah. there's a lot of guilt by association going there on. There
1: is no doubt about that, and there's no doubt about that if they get a chance to take you out and you happen to be with your friends, this is a time of war, and they're not oh, going to miss it. out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of casualties that are factored into every war, and sure. that's just a fact of life. And if you're a key target, that's a rap son. We have this new thing. It's called a drone. It shoots Hellfire missiles. Yep. Hello. Hellfire missile. Hellfire missile. (laughs) You gangster motherfuckers. That was one of the things that they were talking about in this book, uh, about how
0: they were able... You know, Pakistan's been playing the United States since this shit began. Because, I mean, the Taliban was created by fucking Pakistan. I thought the Taliban came out of the Mujahideen. No, the Taliban was basically created
1: and ran by the ISI. Did Al-Qaeda come out of the Mujahideen? Yes, Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean and the Taliban is a the, branch the, of al-Qaeda, right? No. The Taliban
0: Taliban was set up basically by Pakistan to after after Russia pulled out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. There's fucking nobody to run it. It's warlords and, you know, wild west. The ISI, the Pakistani intelligence service put together and backed this group and called themselves the Taliban. Basically fundamentalist guys help them gain power, consolidate power in Afghanistan. The reason was the biggest thing, Pakistan doesn't give a fuck about Afghanistan, about anything. The only thing they give a shit about is India. Pakistan is scared to fucking death of India. And if we see a nuclear war in our time, it will probably be between India and Pakistan is my bet. But so what they didn't want, if you look at a map, where the fuck is Afghanistan? India is here. Afghanistan's on the back door of Pakistan. So, what Pakistan doesn't want, what they can't afford, is to have an Indian client state and have India on two borders. So, the Taliban was their way around that. The Taliban ran, it controlled Afghanistan. They didn't run it because there's parts of that fucking country that you can't run. But so that was what the, the Taliban was basically their strongman that they put in. Well, they fucked up when bin Laden came in and they sheltered him and did all this shit and they pissed off America. So now here comes America in October of 2001, you know, and just raises holy hell, goes up, gets the Northern Alliance, pushes them out. Well, during all this shit was going on, Pakistan's flying fucking Taliban leaders out before they can get captured by the U.S. The whole time they're telling the U.S., oh, yeah, go get this guy, go get that guy. So Pakistan has always given up the AQ guys. I mean, the
1: conspiracy
0: theory side is that the government allowed those people to leave. No, absolutely. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's kind of everybody I know. I mean, that they knew those guys,
1: and that this is all a part of their relationship with the Middle East. Well,
0: they they want you know Pakistan is not they'll give up the foreign fighters. You know the assholes that are coming in the Al Qaeda guys stuff like that. I mean, they've proven that. They've captured Al-Qaeda guys and turned them over to the U.S. I mean, they have a history of that. They have a history of throwing the U.S. a bone because they know they can't just go, it's going to be
1: one or the other. Well, I think that there's a lot of profit in war, Fuck especially yes. if it stays active. Yeah. And I think the idea of completely resolving all the issues that you have and ending the war is not very profitable. And that's a fact. There's, look, one of the most profitable things Ever in the history of humanity is the drug war. Fuck. The drug war does not have an ending. There's, no, there's no resolution. It's never going to happen. You're never going to stop people, especially with the hypocritical, hypocritical attitude that we have as a culture where we allow certain drugs. Yeah. And often those drugs are the more dangerous ones. We allow those to be legal. But the, the, the more peaceful, enlightening, opening drugs that allow you to step outside of your normal predetermined patterns of behavior and sort of look at the world for what it really is, Those are the ones that are illegal. It's a clear sign of a society repressed. And when a society's repressed, it fucking revolts. It it, it has a a freak out. To
0: me, I think it all comes down. I don't give a fuck whatever the substance or item, whatever it is, that the government says you can't have. It's it's about, you know, like I'm a gun guy. So that's my issue. You know, gun control is not about guns. It's about control. It's the same. Jamie. It's the same shit with drugs. Yeah. And what's crazy to me, what blows my fucking mind. Perfect example, okay? I'm I'm driving today from Vegas. All right. There's this arbitrary fucking line in the desert between Nevada and California. Okay. Now in Nevada, I have a concealed carry permit. I can carry a gun legally, exercise my second amendment right. It's bullshit that I have to pay money and go through a class and to jump through these hoops to exercise this right in the first place, but I can exercise it if I play their game. Now, if I'm standing on this side of the line, I'm 100% fucking legal. If I step over this line, I'm going to jail for, for the same shit. Now, it's the same way with drugs. If you got a bag of weed in California and you've got, you know, the right card from the right doctor, you're straight.
1: Yeah, but But, if you go to Texas with that (laughs) shit... (laughs) They will hang you. (laughs) They will fuck you up. Are you you in favor of any laws as far as, like, regulation of who gets firearms? I think we've got plenty, man. We've got plenty. But you you are in favor of, like, background checks and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's... I should say, yeah. I mean, I don't. I think so. <laughs> You're such a gun nut. No, no.
1: I should say, yeah. Uh, most people at no. right home, like all oh, the liberal freaks well, no. right now.
0: What, what I'm no here's peace th-
1: love sixty nine on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see it, and I, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. But here's, if if I could rule the world, I would have no problem with instant background checks. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't cost a dime. Like up until in Las Vegas, in Nevada. If you buy a gun, it costs you $25 to pay for a background check. Right. Now, that background check consists of someone in a government office somewhere typing your name in a computer. That's it. And, and, and if you get a hit, they'll deny you. And then you have three days to appeal. But if you don't, they say, he's good. So you're against the fact that it costs 25 bucks. That and the fact. I, I don't have a problem with instant checks. I think that's fair. I mean, and and I I do agree with that. Um, But what I have a problem with is the fact that.
1: You You love guns.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) That's not it. it. It's just the fact that if I, okay, if I charged you, I don't know, if I charged you a fee for every podcast you put up because you're exercising your First Amendment right. And we have to make sure, Joe, that you're using this right correctly, that you're not inciting any violence or or trying to incite any, you know, you could do any damage to the establishment.
1: I see what you're saying.
0: And so, but to me, it comes down to, and one thing I have a big problem with, and it's something that if you're not a gun guy, you never even fucking pay attention to, but it's this thing called the NFA, National Firearms Act, the registry. And what that is, it's there's there's these arbitrary laws that say, okay, if you want to own a suppressor, a silencer, mm-hmm. something like that, or a fully automatic weapon, whatever, um, you can do that. If it's legal in your state, you're perfectly fine to be able to do that. But you have to pay the government two hundred bucks. So if you pay the government two hundred bucks, we'll give you this shit. And also, you have to give up the right to let anybody from the ATF come into your home anytime they want to check on that. So if you do this, you can have this. You can have fucking damn near anything. I mean, machine guns, fifty caliber machine guns, you can have anything. I know guys that have got any fucking thing you can dream up as long as you're willing to pay the government. Now, to me, that's bullshit.
1: I see what you're saying. I see the point, but I also see the point that... You have to regulate. You have to keep aware of who the fucking crazy people are. Well, keep that's guns the problem. Away from nutty people. I, I don't
0: have a problem with keeping guns away from nutty people. Right, but you have to have employees
1: that do that. They have I got to no search pro- that. That's so fine. It costs money to do that. So let's do that. But
0: are we doing that now? We're not. No. You know why? You can't why? keep guns away from nutty people because medical records are restricted.
1: Yeah, is that what it is? I think you can keep some guns away from
0: some and, nutty people. And here's well, the only way is if they're adjudicated by a judge. And there's a public record of it, and it goes in a record. But most cases, like all, almost all these shootings, like if you look at all of – and this is what fires people up about guns is the mass shootings. And yeah. it's completely understandable. But for most part, if you look at the guys who are doing these shootings, they're nuts. They're fucked up. Yeah. Now, if you start looking at the number of people who do these shootings that are on some type of drug – huge. You know, so if we're really trying to stop, you know, are, are we are we going after the tool, or are, are we trying to stop the tool? or Are we trying to stop the act? Because, you know, which one is it? No, it's a very good point. I've I've said it many times. And so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm probably not the right guy to get up mm-hmm. here and talk about what should and shouldn't be with guns. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be the first to admit I'm biased, but I'm also the same guy that would stand up here and tell you. I think every drug on earth should be legal.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I mean, when you say you're not the right guy, this is what I believe. I believe there is no right guy. Mm -hmm. I think that your ideas of what should and should be legal are different than other people's ideas and what you'll tolerate are different than things are different than people who— you know, otherwise would have, uh, you know, agreements with you about everything. But there might be certain things, certain behaviors that you're used to that they can't handle. People are fucking different, man. You know, I don't think there's any right or wrong, but I think the real issue is a guy like you who's not a bad guy, who is uh, a gun enthusiast, also realizes he's aware that there's a lot of fucking bad things in the world, and I would rather be protected than not be protected. Very simply. Well, then therein lies probably my... That's your number one beef. My, my thing is
0: I do not expect the government to protect me. Yes. It's not their job. It, it, it's, you can't, if, the, if, if, if you get robbed, raped, beaten, or killed... Your family or you cannot sue the police because they didn't protect you. It's not the police's job. It's not the state's job to protect you as an individual. You can't sue the cops if you get beat up, if you get attacked, if you get shot, because they weren't there to protect you. You cannot do that because that's that's not their job. So to me, I'm fine with that. I got no problem with that. I don't expect it. So if that's the case, don't restrict me from my ability to take care of myself and my family. And, uh, you know, don't restrict me from having the tools
1: to do that and
0: be that whatever that tool could be.
1: Right. The only the issue is only in people who are psychotic, who are criminals, who are... That's the only issue. So, so the issue is
0: not... And, and therein, you, you touch an issue that's a big thing with me is criminals. Okay? Perfect example. Most of these shootings that have taken place, have taken place, almost all of them, even if the gun was bought legally, you know, the guns were banned in that uh, theater in Colorado. You know, the military, the shooting that just took place at the Navy Yard, gun-free zone, you know, li- you know, um, new town a school you know i mean in in nevada if you're a parent driving to pick up your son or daughter if you just pick them up in the school as soon as you enter that school yard if even if you're a licensed ccw carrier you've jumped through every hoop the state says you have to jump through a background check a training course a, an actual proficiency test where you have to shoot your gun for score if you do all those actions but yet you drive onto the school grounds to pick up your child. You never get out of your car. If you have the gun on you or in your car, you're a criminal. You you cannot bring a gun onto that school's premises. You can't even have it in your car when you pick up your kid. So now, to me, if I'm a parent, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. But if I did, I'm going to be a criminal because if some asshole starts to shoot up a school or, or somewhere, anything like that, you know, I at least, and I'm not the guy sitting here saying a gun's going to solve everything, because chances are it's probably not. But it's an option you have. If you don't have it, you don't have the option. You know what you are? You're a sheep, just hoping you don't get shot. You know, if you have an option to fight back, but if the state says you do not have that option, you must
1: sit there and take it. You must be a victim. That's where I have a problem. The problem is the reality of the world that we live in. The problem is not the utopian possibilities of everybody being completely gun-free. Mm-hmm. That's the real problem with the idea of gun control is that, like, who's, you're going to control who? The people that abide by your laws? Do you really think that there's enough people out there to go out there and find the fucking guns that are right. in people's homes and trucks? Well, and-
0: it's, it's number one. It's completely impossible. If you passed the law tomorrow and said guns are illegal. You Good couldn't luck. you couldn't build prisons fast enough. It just makes pr- criminals out of regular people. And it's you know it, to me, I just I'm of the opinion that you know I you can't stop a guy from being an asshole.
1: Well, know? it's not even I mean, just an asshole. It's what you were talking crazy, about earlier. It's
0: like a rabid dog. You yeah, know? I mean, if something, these, this shit is gonna happen, man. And I think one of two things. I think the drugs have a part to do with it. Bigger than people give credit for. I really believe that. And the other thing is, I think the media feeds it because they give these assholes instant celebrity. And you see this. And I think the perfect example, man, Chris Dorner. Were you in L.A. when this asshole was running around? Yeah. He wrote a goddamn, you know, uh, uh,
1: I knew that dude. Freakiest shit ever. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, it was. I mean,
1: I didn't. He wasn't like my buddy. For folks who don't know, yeah. he he uh, killed the cops' kid and her, her boyfriend. Her, her boyfriend and killed a bunch of cops. Like pulled up to them at red lights and w- he shot up two di- two different incidents. He shot up cops. I think he might have killed one cop. And he was a former police officer. He was fired and decided former LAPD guy. Decided he was going on a fucking ramp and uh, but, going on a, um, a rampage rather.
0: But he was he was a navy guy as well but this dude i had met him actually in a gun store in vegas he used to hang out or not hang i don't know if you'd call it hang out or whatever but he was uh where i bought a lot of stuff in las vegas uh he would he bought shit from there as well actually some of the shit that he used in his little rampage but uh When I saw him on on the news, I was like, God damn, that dude looks familiar, man. Because when I saw him in Vegas, I always assumed he was military because they get a lot of military guys in there because Nellis and some of the other bases that are around Vegas, a lot of military guys come in and do shit. But uh, I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. And sure enough, my friend who was a manager at that store called me up and he was like, dude, that's fucking Chris. I sold him that shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's But, But here's the thing. He went through... All the legal requirements. Yeah, and not only did he go through the legal requirement of just a background check, he went through the shit I told you about where you have to pay a $200 tax stamp. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the other trick. Right now, the backlog on that is six to nine months long So to buy a short-barreled rifle or a suppressor. So you can go in, you pay for the shit, you pay your $200 to the government, and then you wait six months, and it takes them that long to do the paperwork. Wow, And then they send the stamp back. It's a tax stamp. And they send it back, and then you can have whatever the hell it is that you you paid for. But this guy did that. So he, you can't get, you know, this crazy bastard went through the most strenuous process the federal government comes up with. It's the process they have for selling fully automatic weapons. He went through that, and he passed it all. And there's no way, there was nothing in this guy's past that, that would have thrown up a red flag for anything. I mean, he had security clearances through the military. He was a goddamn LAPD cop.
1: But he was know? fired from the LAPD for excessive violence, right?
0: No. From what, what I it? understand, he, he was fired because it was, a. if I remember right, and I'm sure people, I mean, look it up, but. He was fired because his training officer basically said he wasn't suitable, is what I understood. Was it, he he basically, no, no, was it false complaint? That's what it was. He went to his bosses and said uh, his partner had used uh, uh, unnecessary force or whatever. Oh,
1: that's right. That's
0: right. Used unnecessary force and then he ratted somebody out. He ratted out and then the department fired him because they said he was lying. Whoa. But it turns out evidently he wasn't lying.
1: Whoa, that's so crazy. They took a a regular, like, super cop, turned him into a killer with one little case like that. But that was what was kind of
0: funny was the the, the media was playing this guy up as some kind of super trained, you know, he was John Rambo. But if you look at the shit he did, and, you know, I'm fortunate through shooting and some other things that I've done um, to know and have some friends – and the community of guys, soft guys, and and things like that. Soft guys. Soft is an acronym for Special Operations Forces. Uh, it's you kind use, of a, use an
1: acronym that ninety nine point nine 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 percent
0: of the people don't know. Soft is an acronym stands for Special Operations Forces, and that's kind of an umbrella acronym for, um, you know, Rangers, Special Forces, SEALs, things like that, um, and, and each one of those has their own uh, terms, mm-hmm. like SF is Special Forces. A lot of times people will come, the media is terrible for this. They'll say Special Forces, and they mean Special Operations Forces. Like Special Operations Forces can be a SEAL team. Special Forces is an Army-specific unit. It's a, it's actually a branch of service. But what I was getting back to is I was talking, I, I know, I'm fortunate to know some of these guys, and they were all kind of laughing that, you know, if this guy was really trained, the LAPD would be fucked because the shit that he did do was bad. But the way he got caught, the things he was doing, is not the shit a trained guy does. I mean, and and he could have done a lot more damage to, I mean, look at the D.C. snipers. Remember that case? Malvo? Yeah. You know, Malvo and that, that kid. And, I mean, they shut down D.C., and it was two guys and one rifle. And, you know, if this guy was literally, you know, if he was the John Rambo the media was trying to play him up as, it would
1: have been a hell of a lot higher body count. He was just a fucking whack job. It was a whack job to decide to go to the mountains. Yeah. Well, Who the fuck ever gets out of the mountains? Whoever goes to the mountains trying to flee from the law, that's the worst place you can go. Mm-hmm. You want to go to the valley, son. <laughs> you want to go to the place where you can move around. You don't want to go to the one place where there's a peak I and mean, you, you well, can't go any higher. Well, no, he got up there, there and
0: he fucked his truck up. Yeah. And,
1: and it was just. How did he fuck his truck up? Go broke wheel? the axle. How did he do I that? guess he
0: was trying to get somewhere. I I just read. I, I didn't go any farther than they me lit his truck course. on fire, right? Yeah. And left his weapons and shit oh, in Jesus. the in the truck. But, wow. and then the crazy part though was That's crazy. he he hid out in a cabin that was like literally right across the street from the command post. That's
1: a good. Do you remember that?
0: So they were searching all around him and he was in the cabin almost right across the street from the command that post. That area
1: is very unusual. You ever been up to Big Bear? No. It's very unusual. A lot of fighters go up there. They do their uh, training their altitude. Camps. Yeah, it's really good for uh, your conditioning. But it's a strange place. You know, but it's nice, nice folks, but it's that, just weird. That whole, going back to kind of what I was talking about with
0: my idea of the government not having a responsibility to protect the individual, if you look at the Boston bombing, you know these two guys with the Boston bombing, they shut down a whole fucking major U.S. city. I mean, they were canceling, like, major sports games and shit that night. And to me, instead of having this mentality of everybody go inside, shelter in place, you know, cower, and and then we're going to send in the, the fucking cops and their armored personnel carriers. And, I mean, it looked like Iraq. If you look at some of the photos that were taken during that time period, It looks like Iraq. I mean, these guys are wearing fucking body armor and multicam carrying M4s on the streets of a U.S. city. And they're looking for two assholes with a fucking pressure cooker bomb. And they shut down the whole city. And they're telling people, don't come out of your house. Be scared. You know, to me, wouldn't it be better to say, you know what? If you see this fucking asshole, call us.
1: And yeah, but he... call us means shoot him. Yeah, and I thought it was him, officer. Well, but hey, is something you know what? that's going to get Fine. said. Better that than than coward. Ooh, unless it's your kid. I, hey, but I don't, you know know I don't know about better that. Okay. I don't know about better that. I agree with you to a certain extent, and well, I, I certainly this? agree with you, you with your you ability to be you, protected.
0: You don't think that it can't go the other way?
1: It certainly can. You know, what what if your
0: kid happens to be brown and look like that dude in the hoodie? Yeah, and he's out walking when they
1: they told everybody to be inside and be scared. Well, as if everything that we've said from the beginning to the end, it's there's no there's there's a a gray area. There's no black and white in any of these things. The real problem is human behavior. That's the what it boils down to is is not weapons and tools and and equipment. It's human behavior because every fucking hardware store has an axe. Sure, how many axe murders you hear about every year? Uh, Anybody could fuck you up with an axe. Sure. You know, a guy could walk into a grocery store, and how many people could he kill with the axe before you stop him? P- probably quite a few. The, 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 oh, yeah. It's not, yeah, a wh- it's the, nice. And I, I wrote this on Twitter, and you know, I'll say it your, again. Your quote was perfect. We have a mental health problem yeah. dis- disguised as a gun problem. Yeah. And a, and a security problem disguised as a tyranny problem. Yeah. Or a tyranny problem disguised as a security problem. Yeah. I fucked up my own quote. That's no, that was a great quote. That's I remember I when you wrote that. <laughs> well, and- it's true. It's a mental health problem. There's no doubt about it because I have guns. Almost all of my friends have guns. I don't understand the idea that it's a gun issue. It's not a gun issue, guns are, are tools. It's the issue of implementing those tools in a horrible, horrific way. Same thing you could do with your car if you are so inclined. Yeah. Anybody can do. There was an old man that uh, he just, you know, freaked out or whatever, and just ran over a bunch of people in Santa Monica a couple of years ago. It was a horrific, horrific story. But any crazy person could do that too. You know, just like they could shoot you. They could kill just as many people with a car, much quicker, by just plowing into a crowd. It's so easy to do. They could possibly, you How know. much
0: damage could you do with a two-liter bottle of gasoline in a movie theater? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I you, mean, you know, if your intent yeah. is to do harm. There's a lot of weapons. And hurt people, then that's it. But my whole thing goes back to the mindset that, you know, if somebody doesn't want to take on the responsibility or – and it, it's got nothing to do with guns – it's a mindset of being able to take responsibility for your own safety. Yeah. You know, and if somebody doesn't want to do that, they want to delegate that to the state, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But telling
1: me that I have to do that is where I have a big, giant problem. I totally understand what you're saying, but I think it's the reality of human beings. It requires a certain amount of filtering to make sure that shitheads, it's less frequent. You're going to get a few that get through no matter what you do. But I think that it's not a bad thing to just be just a little bit diligent about who you fucking allow to have guns. And, and
0: that's fine because, I mean, if it stopped right now today, if you looked at the gun laws on the books, and
1: that's the other thing. You mean if it didn't get any more restrictive? Yeah. And if it stopped. All you gun guys are all like the foot suppression. If it stopped it's, today. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, well, here's well, why:
0: is because the anti gunners, whatever you want to call them, they always talk about we need to compromise we should we should come to a compromise mm. but here's the compromise they never give anything up <laughs> i mean it's always one more thing they're taking away and, and this go, this has been going on since the 30s mm. and depending on i'm not a guy i mean on principle in theory i'm kind of i am a uh, call libertarian whatever the hell you want to call it but i am of the mind that pretty much anything goes I mean, it should go. And if you fuck up, you deserve to get hammered, whether that's drugs, guns, whatever. Prostitution. Anything. Say it. Exactly. Say it. say it. Exactly. Fucking well, who, say it. Who's to say a woman can't sell her ass if she wants to?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's her body. Especially if she can actually get money for it. Exactly. And so. Why can't you give You can give massages? Why isn't that illegal? Well, in Vegas, it's just it's not pleasurable. You can't But I mean, it. a massage. Yeah, a massage is uh, you know just as intimate. Oftentimes, a suck at your dick or a humming blowjob through the pants.
2: Hum. <laughs>
1: hum... Yeah, I'm a look. You and I are on the same page with almost everything. You're a little more gun nutty than me, but that's all right. I'm pretty gun nutty. I, I understand it. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, you're coming from the fact that they they work for you, and you don't want anybody fucking with your life. And that's a that's a rational, almost an American value. The and, idea, of leave me the fuck alone, right? And, and, and that's and sort of slipping away.
0: And I will stand up, and, and you know, I will, I will, I would be more than happy to to defend the guys. I'll I'll, I'll stand up and say, you know what? I respect and defend the right for someone to say, I don't agree with what I'm saying or that I'm an asshole. Mm -hmm. No problem. Okay. You have the right to say that. But where it's to me that it stops is that when people force me to delegate my ability to protect myself and the state will not take up that slack. They can't. Not only they can't and they won't and they shouldn't, but People saying to me, you know, you don't have. We are going to take away your ability to protect yourself, in the in in the name of the off chance that you know this may prevent something. And everyone knows that it won't, because you know why? Criminals don't follow the fucking law.
1: (laughs) crazy, right? Well, laws in themselves, in and of themselves, are are very strange, uh, in that. Is that a helicopter? Just yes, address. is. Us. We've been talking too much real shit. I told you, bro. The man done got scared. You didn't turn off your ns Black helicopters! <laughs> if Alex Jones wasn't here right now, he'd rattle off some statistics. <laughs> You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how many people being watched by black helicopters have no idea. <laughs> Dude, that
0: shit when the Dorner thing was going on, yeah, I don't follow Alex Jones at all. But you followed but him then. Somehow through there, and, and the way I started following him, kind of kind of paying attention, was because of that fucking correspondent he had at the press uh, press conferences that the cops were doing. Uh-huh. Did you see that? No, I was fucking hilarious. These cops are standing up, and you know you could tell the whole fucking city of L.A. was scared to death. I mean, and not only that, but the cops are lighting up Mexican women in a white truck, you know, <laughs> for no fucking because it might look like what he was driving. That's funny. So I mean, I the whole fucking city's flipping out, going you know trigger happy with the cops, but this cop's giving a fucking rundown of you know trying to be very precise and all this shit, and some correspondent, he's like from Infowars or whatever, stands up and asks the most asinine, I can't even remember, it was so stupid, it was like. You know, how do you say that Chris Dorner was a plant and then all this other bullshit and it, or was it the Boston bombings? It was Boston bombings. It wasn't Dorner, it was Boston bombings. Okay. It was Boston bombings. I'm sorry. I got them confused. You
1: confused the fuck out of me. Yeah. It
0: was the Boston bombings. It was a Boston but you remember what I'm talking yes. about with the press conference? Yeah. That guy standing up? Saying that they were that's what it was, saying they were plants. Saying that it was uh the guys in the,
1: the windbreakers or whatever yeah there was a lot of weirdness when it came to those boston bombings mm-hmm. that 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 was very weird. There were so many people that were crying. Out that it was a false flag, and there was so many so much disinformation, to what end? misinformation. To
0: what end? See, I'm not
1: a conspiracy guy. To what I'm end, not though? either, but I, I was just aware of how much of it was being perpetrated online, and how many people were getting the timeline wrong. So they're showing these guys who were responding and saying that these guys were waiting before it ever happened, like that they already knew about it. Like there's so much incorrect information, right? It's, it's, it's weird when that kind of shit happens. And, you know, that's something that I really learned a lot about when I did this uh, sci-fi show, the Joe Rogan Questions Everything right. show. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot about the mind of people who just automatically think that things are not on the up and up. Right. And the real issue is that sometimes things aren't on the up and up. That's a fact. It's I a fact. I believe it's a fact,
0: but I think more often than not, People not, look for it. It's not so much it's on the up and up because there's a conspiracy. It's on the up and up because people don't know what the fuck's going on and they mm-hmm. make shit up to fill the space.
1: There's definitely that. There's definitely some of that. But then there's also real instances throughout history where false oh, flags no, have been perpetrated. Yeah, and It, it becomes a real problem because you try to figure out what's what. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that get involved in these sort of endeavors, trying to figure out what's real and what's not, that will have what, what I call... A soft intellect
2: okay you know the
1: ability but by soft i don't mean they're stupid but i mean that someone can like fairly easily shove a new idea in them and guide them down the path they want them to go shove a hand up their ass and have you know confuse them to the point where they believe it Mm -hmm. some people they have a need in them to believe fantastical shit that no one else has discovered there's a weird, almost like a desire. It's almost like the same thing that... It, it's almost like a bygone thing that's like left in our DNA from when we had to discover a new place that had like better food. We found a new hunting trail. Like we, to find these new uncovered things is almost like an imperative in the, the human psyche. So people look for fucking stupid shit. They look for the, to be the one guy, the trailblazer that breaks. And it doesn't mean that people don't conspire but it also means there's that too. There's that too. Yeah. And we got to be aware of that too because if you're not aware of that too, if you deny that too, you really d- do a huge disservice to the actual information that you're capable of pulling out when you look at things objectively. Right. But there's a lot of people that can't do that. They get involved in this 10 11 a thousand step game. They want to go three or four steps in and be rigid with their information. They want to stop right here. Yep. This is clearly a conspiracy. That guy's wearing the wrong backpack. It's towards <laughs> his left. This photo shows it towards his right. And it's, um, doing this show, I've realized that that's an actual, it's like a psychological groove. It's like these people establish it in their minds that everything is, everything is a conspiracy. And it's not to say that some things aren't. Right. Many things are. So they have some confirmation. They get some confirmation out of history, Gulf of Tonkin, all sure. these different instances. Instances the uh, the Bush Cheney idea of uh, before they left office, uh, a false flag about Iran was being bandied about. There was a, the the Northwoods document, you know, where they wanted to blow up a fucking drone airliner and blame it on Cuba and start war with Cuba. All that shit's real. So the problem is it gets real cloudy out there if you're not thinking good. Mm -hmm. And so if you got any sort of an instance that happens in the news, whether it's that bombing or this bombing or this attack or that attack or this, there's always going to be a lot of horseshit flying around because... Anyone can contribute to the soup of ideas. Sure. Anybody can throw. So some dickhead comes along and goes, more onions! And fucking (laughs) pours a giant bucket of onions in your soup. And you're like, dickhead, there was plenty (laughs) of onions. Now it's fucking onion soup (laughs) with a little bit of chicken. That's the the real issue with the information that we receive today, is that there's um, a gigantic soup of people and the amount of actual real journalists... The real, the, the original real journalists have been replaced by these corporate puppets, and then there's real quote-unquote print journalists who are terrified of the new media, right. and they'll they'll defuse Vice.com, or of, you know they'll 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 try to take down all the new media, and, and you know and make it seem as if these people are cretins, and these people don't deserve to be you know representative of the news, and. The old gray lady is the way to go. The New York Times sure. is the gold standard. Yeah. But it's not the gold standard. The, no, the, reala- I mean, the reality is... they is proven
0: to post false shit.
1: They get caught all the time. And right. the, by the way, you're just human. Right. Okay, there is no New York Times anymore. How right. about this? How about you're not important? How about the fucking information is important? Right. And the vehicle for, the, for distributing the information that wants so many accolades is a cunt. Any vehicle that wants so much accolades... It's so much love, so much money, giant corporation backed up behind delivering information. That's it. That's nonsense. For you to have an ego about past deliverings of information, things that you should have done. Because that's your fucking job. Your job is to deliver information. You're a goddamn newspaper. (laughs) So for you to get all uppity and uptight and be afraid of the internet, when your whole fucking thing has been based on reporting shit that actually happens, that's it. What's also about goes back to the same thing control. Yeah, because
0: if some asshole on the internet can get on and build a following, and and gain confidence. You know what, there's no fucking editor sitting over him saying, you know what, you might not want to say that because this might piss off my buddy who owns this company.
1: Yeah, and that's not to slight the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Boston Globe or any of the old newspapers in any way. And not to diminish their accomplishments and, and to and to diminish the, the, the importance of them. I, at least I've read the Boston Globe every fucking day when I was a kid because I delivered it. I delivered it from age... Shit, I started like age 17 till like I was 22. I delivered the Boston Globe and occasionally the Herald. I mm-hmm. read a newspaper every day. Newspapers are fucking huge. They were really, really important. But y- you did a job. Just like feeding people was really fucking important back then, too. Yeah. Everybody who fed people, those people all deserve medals as well. Sure. Feeding people and providing information are actually equally important. But the people who fed people didn't get treated like kings and queens, and get, didn't get to fucking throw their arms in the air and, and and rant and rave when a new method of distributing nutrition was introduced.
0: But it goes back too to you know, the people who did distribute that information were courted by those in power. Yeah, it goes back all the way. You it know, always has. I mean, as long as there's been a written word. Yeah. But and it go and that's one thing that I think now. It's still fucked up with the new media is because how do you control everything? If you well, you can't, can't control, control it, everything. You can't control it, but what you can do is marginalize it.
1: But you shouldn't be able to control everything. People have to realize that enough is enough. And if you need more money than what you're making, most likely you don't deserve it. <laughs> That's a good point. That's the reality of the situation. One, if you need more money than, than you are currently making, most likely you don't deserve it. You know, it's possible that you do, and don't get me wrong. What I mean by that is that there's a lot of people out there that want they want to figure out how to profit more. They want to figure out how to make more. They want to figure out how to... But if you're really doing what you're supposed to do, I firmly believe that there's, 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 there's rivers you're going to have to cross. There's mountains you're going to have to climb. You're going to have to figure out a way around it. And you might not be in a good place right now. True. But if you're a person and you're smart... There's ways to navigate yourself around almost every situation as long as you're getting nutrition and you're alive. If you're getting nutrition and you're alive and you've got an, an ability to think for yourself, you might be in a terrible situation. I understand that. But there may very well be a way out of that situation. And if I took 10 guys maybe only four would be able to figure the way out of that situation. It doesn't mean that that situation is unresolvable. It means that you got to fucking figure it out, bitch. You got dealt a really shit hand of cards. And that happens to people all the time. But there's this gross tendency for people to just go, I got handed a shit hand of cards and you didn't, so you don't understand where I come from and you have male privilege. I think that's
0: what you just said. I think that is 100% the case in the United States at this point in time. If you look at people that come here, and I was thinking, of, I was thinking about coming on this podcast, and I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, I drive. That's one thing about. I live in Vegas, and the dichotomy of Vegas has always really struck me as something that's kind of fucked up, and that you can go from the cosmopolitan hotel with people rolling up in hundred fifty thousand dollars cars and the most beautiful women in the world. With millions of dollars that they can spend, you drive ten minutes and there's a home depot with a Mexican standing outside of it that is willing to work at whatever job you want to give him for ten dollars a day and bust his ass and or Guatemalan, or I don't know if that's a proper term, but you know and then yeah, no, but way. a guy who's come here and willing to do nothing, and then you've got people that are perfectly able to work, but they've been told. And it's not even a lot of people's fault, because from the time they were raised up, it's not your fault that you don't have anything. It's you've been fucked over, you know. It's you, you know. Society has kept you down. They've kept you uneducated. It's not your fault you don't have anything, but yet you get people, and and that's one of the beauties to me. And it's cliche, it really is. But to me, that's one of the beauties of this country, and that's the thing this country to me is built on. And if you ask almost anyone from that has come here from somewhere else, they will tell you that that's why they came here, is because this is one of the few places in the world where you can take yourself from nothing to something. You know, if you're willing to work and you want to bust your ass, and, and understand and 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 adapt to the circumstances you're in. There really is opportunity here. And so when I hear people talk about what you're saying, you know, that, oh, I got fucked over. I got no, you know, I mean, I think we both of us, I'm willing to say, I mean, I'm not, a, I, nobody would consider me successful. I, I, I'm successful in the fact that I get to do what I like to do. And I really enjoy that. I mean, to me, I make less money now than I did when I worked for Ford. But you know what? I get up and I get to do whatever the fuck I want to do today. For
2: yeah, the most part.
1: A, for folks who don't even know, we didn't even really introduce Justin. Justin runs ActionReport.com. It's one of my favorite websites. And they put on these big-time, high-level pool matches where uh, it used to be guys would come with big backers. And mm-hmm. now, uh, because of the, the success of it and the fact it's been around for a long time, now they can actually have like um, have like have a prize fund and you know get sponsors and all sorts of other things. And it's all online, like the very best players in the world duke it out back and forth. And, yeah, you you can do now because of this, you know, because uh, this is really uh, a very popular uh, thing in the world of pool. It's like the most important thing in the world of pool right now, in my opinion. There's no pool on TV these days. And if it wasn't for the strong presence of the Internet, whether it's azbilliards.com or whether it's your website, there's not much keeping, like, the community of pool players together. Pool's a weird thing, man. People don't understand how fun it is for the people who play it. You know, for a guy like you or I... Pool is one of those things, uh, to me,
0: if you're not a pool guy, like the stuff we do, um, probably wouldn't interest you because our shit is designed for the fan, the guy who understands the game and stuff. But at the same time, to me, pool is the world of pool. I mean, it goes back to the movie The Hustler, you know, and then you got the color of money. But it's a subculture that is almost uniquely American it really is and it's been transplanted to other countries um but the american and my website's name is the action report and it started out as an idea to show the gambling side of the game because our idea was i've been around pool my whole life and i've always loved the gambling side of it and you know pool for the most part on espn they dress the guys up like golfers and they send them out there and one guy breaks and runs and the other guy breaks and runs and they all look the same and nobody and it just didn't stop n- no nowhere. Yeah, none. But you know, to me I enjoyed the action side of the game. And that was and and it wasn't because so much of the betting or uh the guys, you know, talking up a game, but because to me it comes back to a quintessential American fucking idea of two guys. Coming in, putting their money up, and the way you keep track is by who gets more money at the end. I mean that's you know yardage doesn't count
2: it's- yeah it's
1: all just and, and the, the beautiful thing about pool is that that's actually the reason why it's called pool in the first place, mm-hmm. like folks don 't realize it People was called pocket their- billiards yeah. pooling their money together to bet on a game was the whole reason why it was like the the chosen sport of the forbidden youth. You know, the glorious results of a misspent youth is all about how good you are at playing pool. mm mm-hmm. There's those areas during the, you know, Max Everly is kind of an expert on the, uh, the bachelor lifestyle. And <laughs> Max Eberle, uh talks with, like, great fondness of the bachelor lifestyle of the early 1900s in, like, New York City and all across the country, really, where men who are bachelors would go to pool halls. And that's where they would live and hang out. And those are the guys that did want to settle down and have families and, yeah. and just join the American grind.
0: Right. And, and, and that, to me, pool has always been it's dying now it's dead pretty much but for a lot of years even through the war the 30s 20s 30s after world war one even up and through the great depression but there was that they called in pool it's called a road player or a road man and that is a guy who goes from town to town playing depending on personally i hate the term pool hustler i fucking despise it Because to me, a pool hustler is a thief, is a con man. He's a guy that goes in and, you know, tries to, you know, he lays down and he tries to get some sucker. You know, the game, that's always an interesting story. You know, the movie The Hustler was pretty much based on that. Uh, In pool, they call it playing on the lemon. But to me, what I like, and, and the way most, a lot of successful road guys I knew, they didn't go in and try to play and say they play bad. They would go in and say, "I'll beat any asshole you got in here for whatever you want to bet."
1: That's the truly
0: American idea of it, and it's it goes back to the gunfighter thing. Yeah. Or, um, oh God, what's the the Japanese swordman, uh, samurai? Yes, no the uh, the guy you got tattooed on your arm, Miyamoto uh, Musashi. Yeah, Musashi. That you know the thing that people come at him and test him. Yeah. And to to me that idea, and that's kind of what. Our our site and our events and what we do is kind of based on, is like, who is the best? How do you find out who the best is?
1: Well, we didn't really even know until your site came around because these races to a hundred were so incredibly rare. Yeah, we were talking earlier before the show about the color of money match between Efren Reyes and Earl Strickland, who were like the best American player and the best Filipino player. For a lot of folks who don't know anything about pool, the Filipinos in the the 1950s, I guess, when the United States GIs went the Navy. The the Navy. Big big Navy base. They introduced uh, pool to the Filipinos, and they just fucking ran with that shit. Yeah. And now they produce some of the very best players in the world. It's kind of interesting.
0: Pool in uh, the
1: Philippines
0: is, I mean, it's as big a deal as any major sport in the United States. (laughs) Shane, uh, uh, there's a kid named Shane Van Boning who's, uh, in my opinion, the best American player at this time. He's a friend of mine. He plays in a lot of our matches. But um, he was joking that the only place on earth he can get in a cab and have the cab driver know who he is is in the Philippines.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. That's funny. He, I've talked about him on the podcast several times. For folks who haven't heard about it, he's he's deaf. Mm-hmm. And when he plays pool, he shuts his hearing aid off. Yep. And he just goes into the zone. And uh, he also plays... Stone killer, too. Yeah, he plays about as good as anybody who's ever played. He's He has his moments where it's just stunning shit. And he had those moments... Gambling for big money on your your podcast or yeah. your your broadcast rather when these race to hundreds when you see him like get loose mm-hmm. and just fire on dudes and hit him with you had a really tight table for folks who don't know a standard table is five inches like if you buy one right from the store a lot of times they are about five inches a pro cut table is about four inches four and, and you half. got four Diamond and half, Four and a half. Four four and and a half. half. Yeah. but you guys were four yeah
0: four you guys were tight four, four. yeah
1: and it was brutality, Mm -hmm. and guys would panic every time. I mean, because you're playing for a lot of money, and there's not a lot of margin of error, and you'd go to shoot into that four-inch fucking hole on a diamond table, which is really difficult because it has an extra wide sh- or extra deep shelf so a yeah. lot of balls that would fall on a brunswick don't fall on a diamond yep. this motherfucker it's he's playing like they're swimming pools <laughs> he's just slamming balls into the back of the pocket and it's shocking he just gets in that that assassin groove where he can't miss and he's running six and sevens on a foot yeah. what, what i mean by six and sevens is Six and seven racks in a row of ten ball. Without missing. Breaking and running a rack of ten ball. It's like nine ball. You run the balls in order, but there's ten. And it's super fucking hard to do. And this dude is like, click, off with the sound. (laughs) Whoosh, just not missing. Every ball is so precise. His he gets to the point where he's got that cue ball on a string, and it's like he's like rolling the ball. You you've described it. It's yeah. like he's every ball he goes just through the ball rolls through. Yeah. There's it's a perfect delivery.
0: And one of my favorite things about Shane is a player, and it, like I said, he's a friend of mine. I've known him. I met him in 2006, December of 2006, uh, long before I ever did this stuff. Uh, the actual report, tar is what it's called T A R. Uh, was started in July of 2007 but uh, so I've known Shane and and right now the kid we're talking about is like I said in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinion the best American player uh, he's one of the best in the world by any you know anybody's measure but um, he he's still young but he is a guy that he he goes a hundred percent every time he plays. But even if he loses, he's able to take that. It doesn't fuck him up to the point where and pool's such a mental game. Uh sometimes I mean it's it's so crazy how mental of a game it is. But uh He could
1: take it. He could take his he losses. He can take it and, it and come back and well, his character. Really that, but,
0: it, but in a tournament he can take it and come back and win. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's it's a subculture that, to me, there's a great quote in the movie uh, "The Color of Money" and Paul Paul Newman. If no, if by, and I'm, chances are maybe a lot of your uh, viewers or listeners haven't seen that movie, but "The Color of Money." If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Paul Newman, a young Tom Cruise. But in that, Paul, there's a scene where uh, Paul Newman has a quote and he's talking to uh, Tom Cruise's girlfriend trying to get her to convince uh, Cruz to go out on the road. And he says, basically, you know, if you're the best in the world at something, no matter what it is, anything, then rich can be arranged. Rich comes pretty easy. And, and, you know, he said, and before that he mentioned, I invest in excellence. And to me, that's what turns me on about anything, Mm -hmm. be it what I do with pool or any, you know, cues, pool cues. I mean, yeah. not, you're a cue guy too, but, you know, or, or anything, whatever the hell it is, I'm interested in the people who do it the best. Yeah. Because to me, that excellence, you know, that's where the genius lies, mm. you know, because anybody can do anything. But to me, it's it's that ability, whatever it is, that human nature, that talent, that drive, to be excellent at something, it's uh to me that fascinates me. And it's different for different people. We were talking about like with pool, it's such a mental game. I joke a lot and it's only, only kinda half joking that to be really good at pool, you gotta be about half nuts. That's ba- barely a
1: half joke. Yeah.
0: I mean it's just you 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 really because you have to give up so much of everything else.
1: People will never understand that that don't play. Yeah. When I was a kid, when I lived in New York, I played easily eight hours a day, almost every day. Mm-hmm. I constantly played pool, and I wasn't very good, but I was obsessed with it. And when you get to a point where you're at the level of the high-level professional, whether it's Shane or Efren or you know any of these... Top top name pros, Earl Strickland. You you have to play all day every day. You have to be in the pool. If you're out of the pool hall for a day, you feel out of stroke. Yeah. If you take a day off, you're like, holy shit, I'm out of stroke. Like guys have said that. Like they took a day off and they came back in, they're out of stroke. I mean, they were playing eight, ten hours a day. And that's what's different about
0: the elite, the guys at Shane's level is a lot of those guys don't play that much.
1: Yeah. They
0: they don't do that. They'll. You know, they really don't play every day, putting in eight, ten hours a day like people would think they would. Yeah, I mean, they get to a certain level, they understand it, and then, you know, a lot of this because maybe they don't have to, but that's the difference with a guy like Shane, is he does. Mm -hmm. He's and the other the flip side of this too though, is and I've had a couple players we've talked about it, and that is the fact that. Shane is a guy that he's on the rise this is his ascendancy he's twenty eight years old you know twenty nine something like that he's not married doesn't have any kids uh so you know this is that this is this is his you know he's on He's stars on the rise so right now this is his life man you know this is what he does he's hundred percent focused. He doesn't worry about making his mortgage payment. He doesn't worry about you know this is old lady mad at him because he decided to go do this or do that. You know he just
1: that's what he's doing, and that's what it takes to be really excellent at something. I think so. If he, and and every time in Shane's case when he's had some ups and downs, the downs all were related to to the to the, <laughs> to the, to the honey hole son, all related to that glorious thing that we're all searching for. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, the the idea of excellence, you and I agree on that. You know, we're we're both fascinated by that, especially we we share the interest in cue. People don't even know, like, there's a whole beautiful art to making pool cues. There's some, it's a functional art, art form that's very, very rare because it's got to have both. A cue, in order to be really revered, has to have playability and it has to have design. If a cue just has design, people don't give a fuck about it. Like if you get a cue from like Southwest or John Showman, you get a John Showman's a perfect example. Like it doesn't make that many, and and the thing about the cues are that they play good. They have a balance. I have a a Showman, and it's like it's different than any other steel jointed cue I've ever played with, and it's because this this dude just has a way of making shit. He knows what he's doing. He figured it out. He knows how to splice things together and sand them correctly and cure the wood and. I mean it's a be- a really beautiful functional art form that's slowly being lost right
0: and you know you, you you bring up John and he's uh he's an example of one of the things you know excellence like I was talking about is something that really you know excites me and it that interests me and the other thing is craftsmanship the people that make things um whether that's Knives, guns, pool cues, people, guys. Cars. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Guys, you know, and mostly for the most part, people that do it one-man shops or one-or-two-man shops. You know, a guy gets, because I have a background, like I said, a machining background and things like that. So I have a basic understanding of what it takes to make something. To take it from a drawing on a piece of paper to a block of metal or whatever— or a bunch of a bin full of parts and turn it into something. And I know how goddamn difficult that is. And then to to be able to do that at a very high level to where you have people wanting to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for what you do, um, that to me is one of the coolest things in the world. Yeah. And I'm John's a friend of mine, and I've been to his shop, and he's... For people, and I realize we are talking about something people don't know about or understand, but he makes these cues, and a, a high-end pool queue starts about $2,500 to $3,000 and can go up to $10,000. And a lot of these queues, uh, like many things with high demand, um, if you can buy it directly from the source, uh, you actually get it for cheaper than what the secondary market is. So you can actually flip it. And and sell so, and it's the same way with knives. I, I'm a uh, my, that's my new freak thing is uh, custom folding knives. But so anyway, John makes these cues out of a one-car garage. I went and shot a. Do- did I, did you ever see the documentary I did? Yes. The interview. Yeah, really interesting uh, stuff. He he makes these cues in a one-car garage and. If I showed it to you, like at a, at a custom cue show that they have, uh, that they do have them, things like that, or some just well-done photographs, um, it looks like a work of art. I mean, his stuff is just so well executed, and you kind of have to have some knowledge to know what you're looking at because things are even, you know, uh,
1: things like that. But It's a, it's it's an interesting thing. It's hard to describe to it people is, who don't,
0: don't have anything to do with it. Then when you see where it's made, <laughs> I mean, if you just look at this item, you go, "Okay, shit, that's pretty." Okay, and then you and then you kind of have to explain to people that it's wood. You know, it's this is a round piece of wood that's tapered, that's got big ass cuts in it with parts of it pulled out, and then other parts of it glued back in where you took that shit out of, and then perfectly, yeah, and then little pieces of, of wood cut out. A lot of people don't even know what an inlay is or understand it. For any an inlay in anything, whether it's a pool cue or you see a lot of it in jewelry boxes, um, some some furniture has a lot of inlay, what they'll do, say you've got a circle you, and you've got it made out of ivory, let's say, and you've got a nice wooden table and you want to put this circle of ivory in it. What you do is you go in and you, you mill out a circle. So you cut out the wood and leave a hole there. Then you take your piece of ivory, you glue it in, And then you sand it or or mill it flat. and then So now it looks like you've got a nice piece of wood with a piece of ivory there. Now if you take that and you multiply it, I think the cue you've got of John's, I saw it when he delivered it initially at Super Billiards Expo. I want to say it's like 100 and some inlays. So imagine doing that 100 times. And now here's the trick. If you fuck up on the 99th time, you got to start over, and you they do remember. all the
1: time. Yeah. They'll, they'll they'll be working on high end cues, and they'll get like three quarters of the way done. They have yeah. to scrap it. Ernie uh, Ernie Gutierrez, Gina Q, I
0: did a, a, a film with him that's on uh, our YouTube channel. Um, he's had to saw cues in half, ivory oh. handle cues. Oh, yeah. He's. I mean, it's because it goes back to the craftsmanship aspect of. No matter what it is you make, you talk about cars. I know you love cars, and you're a car guy. You know, you get these custom tuners or custom builders. You know, if they have a dog, they can't afford that to be out there. They yeah. can't let that. They can't let that car on the road, right? Because you know, one dog will fuck up a hundred. You know, you know, it's the old saying. You know, one oh shit overrules a hundred attaboys.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: So you know, it, it, it's. I don't know. To me, that's the whole thing. And the other thing about cue makers, that world, it's really fascinating, is uh, those dudes are the coolest motherfuckers across the board in the entire pool world. Those guys, perfect example, a guy we both know, Eric Crisp, a guy who makes a a very, very in-demand cue. His cues are called Sugar Tree Cues. When we first started our business, our, our company, it was complete shoestring. It was me and my partner, Chad uh, Pullman. We had started up, and uh, just we had two initial partners that came in, uh, Chuck and Jason. I just want to mention their names because they were important in what we did. But um, it was a shoestring deal. And anyway, this uh, Eric, who's who's become a good friend of Joe and mine both, out of nowhere, this guy, he's a very, very in-demand cue maker at the time got a
1: got a backlog of years and years
0: um,
1: but that means uh, if you wanted to buy a cue from him you got to yeah, wait years yeah. and, and, and anymore before you can even build it yeah
0: and Eric in particular doesn't even take orders anymore so yeah. i mean you just if you want one of his cues you have to either know him or get it on the secondary market but uh i was at an event it was 2008 and i was a, f- a photographer and when i started my company i had to sell uh, one of my camera lenses to pay for a trip and then for any photographers out there, it was a Nikon seventy to two hundred two eight, uh, about a fifteen hundred dollar lens. But we were going on this trip, and I didn't have any money, so I had to sell this lens, and uh, didn't really tell anybody about it. But it it was a it, to me it was a, one of those things where it's like fuck man, I don't want to do. It. It's like you right, don't want right, to sell right. your tools, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But uh, we had made a commitment to be there, and so I did what I had to do. So anyway. We're at we're at an event maybe six, seven months later, and Eric walks up and uh out of nowhere hands me a cue. He goes, Here, take this and uh use it to help you guys get down the road. And I was I was stunned. I, I'd never met him before. And, you know, we started talking. But and, and that sounds that doesn't sound like much. Uh, you know, somebody walking up and handing you a piece of wood or a piece of pool cue. But the thing is, he walked up and handed me two grand. Yeah, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, you know, and and what I did was I've taken a lot of photos, and I've got some photos, some unique photos, because I've been in places, you know, the old saying about being good at photography is F8 and be there. You know, I've been lucky to be there for certain things. And a lot of my photos that have been taken. F8? F8 is an F-stop. What does that mean? Uh, It's a lens adjustment. Which it's basically F eight is in the middle of the focal range. Mm-hmm. So it allows you a depth of field to where you can see like if you're gonna take a general photograph, F eight's a good spot to be Okay, at.
1: so F eight and just be there yeah. and you got a good picture. Yeah,
0: F eight and be there is kind of the joke about you you don't have to do any fancy trickery or anything like that. The big thing is have a basic setup but be there when the shot is there. Right, gotcha. Know? Okay, cool. And uh but I use that cue to purchase that lens that I had sold before. And since then, a lot of, almost everything you see, any any one of the flyers, any type of like promotional shit that we do, that photo was taken with the lens that I was able to buy because Eric gave me
1: that cue. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, that world of uh, craftsmanship, of creating this really unique tool that it's very revered within the community. But the community is like it's a it's a weird kind of a sketchy falling apart community. Well,
0: the the custom there's a queue collecting community and that's the pool's so spread out, man, so, and now it's even more fucked up. But um, pool needs a show. The high end pool queue collector guys um, are rich. Mm. You can't not you can't play in that you can't play in that end of the pool and not be wealthy. Um, you know, when an average queue costing four to five thousand High end cues like old cues like uh there's certain cue makers like Balabushka, a lot of people have heard of. If if you've ever seen The Color of Money, the name Balabushka is brought up. Those cues now mm eight to twenty five thousand
1: anywhere depending on how fancy. Because of that movie. Yes.
0: Well no, because there he's dead.
1: Yeah. There is no more. Yeah. You know, it's like But he's else. really extreme on the end of yeah. the collector's. Yeah. End. high end, high end. Barry Zambodi, who is yeah, e- equal yes. level, who's Absolutely. A, his, his dad, Gus, Gus Zambotti, Yes, Those cues, those are also like. Same level. Same level, yeah. Balbushka level. Gus Q, Actually, I think Gus cues, certain Gus
0: cues, go carry a higher level of price than Zambodia Yeah. Because Gus Zambodi cues were better made. The playability I mean,
1: yeah. is, is legendary, and a lot of great players played with Zambotti. Uh, yep. Zambotti is just one of those names. Like you, you, you hear the name Zambodi. That's like the real, like in this day and age, like you hear Balabushka. Balabushka is always impressive, but Zambotti is like oh, going to Zambotti. Like yeah. oh shit, yeah, that's, that's high level shit. And that's one thing. And that, Showman too, like but absolutely. more obscure. Well, Showman but still so like much very because, same level.
0: You know, I think John among the cognoscenti, the people who know. And that's one of the cool things is um, John and Barry Zambotti are friends, and they have a lot in common with some of their, you know, they like the traditional style design work and things like that. And uh, so that, it's a small, small world, but it's really fascinating. And the other thing that's interesting is, um, you know, if somebody out there today Said, okay, cool. I want to learn more about these cues, and they find out, you know, and you want to go get one. You can't buy one. Yeah. Good luck. You, I mean, you can buy one on the secondary market, but it'll be ridiculously yeah. overpriced, really and super expensive. If, but if you call Barry, he might take your call on and he'll be gracious to you. But Barry's never going to fill his order book. You know, he, 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 I mean, I love the guy to death. God, God bless him. I hope he lives to be 100 a, a
1: years old. But chances are he's never going to fill his order book. Because so many people want his yeah, cues, exactly. just the matter of demand that he has. Yeah, right. and you said cognoscendi One of my best cues is uh, Joe Gold. Joe Gold. Yeah. cognoscendi cues. These, this, this small group of people that that make these high end instruments for this obscure dying game. Right, and it is know? dying. But to a guy it like you or um, guy like you or I, they're extremely valuable. Yeah. Because we recognize, like, if you can get a hold of an ebony on ebony Southwest, you're like, holy sure. shit. Yep. Like, it's almost like you're you're. You know, you're uh, obligated to buy it because Mm -hmm. you realize, like, they're not making that many of these. There's going to come a point in time where you run out of 58 Corvettes. They don't exist anymore. Right. There's no more 58 Corvettes. Shit. And that's where a lot of the older Q guys, uh, you know, like we were speaking about
0: the older makers, Gus Zambodi, Balabushka, and then you have guys like John Showman. I think John Showman went through a period of time where he might have made 10 Qs in three years. Yeah. I, I mean,. When we talk about these guys, another perfect example is Dennis Searing, uh, who is arguably among a lot of Q guys considered the top guy. Um, his cues probably have the
1: highest resale value.
0: They're um, insane. Yeah.
1: Insane. Like a plain Q is like 4000 5000 $6,000. 4 grand for what looks like a house Q it's um it's an amazing thing that a guy's excellence and his commitment to exacting standards can really be can manifest itself in that sort of a way and that's in in that way that's where pool cues and that's where this this art form sort of like it, it it parallels everything else in life yeah like it's the same thing as like if the beatles are playing everybody wants to go and see them yep. you know it really is the same thing almost it's like this just this uh Boundless energy To achieve excellence
0: And that's what And it's In this very Specific space For this Very specific purpose That Maybe Four or five thousand People on this Earth Mm. Will understand Or get
1: Or give a fuck Yeah Or give a fuck Yeah My wife looks at my pool cues And looks What the fuck is wrong with you Like who gives a shit Oh that one's pretty Like she (laughs) couldn't care less And I'm like
0: You know But you know what That's the way I feel about watches Yeah you know, I see guys, and and they, you know, they can blow a hundred grand on a watch. You love that shit. Dudes love that shit. It's like, you know.
1: Dudes get disappointed when they see my watch sometimes. Because <laughs>
0: they're expecting
1: yeah. you to have some. Well, I have a nice watch that Russell Peters gave me. Russell Peters gave me a Breitling. It's a fucking beautiful watch. I would never spend that much money. And the UFC gave me a Rolex. Uh-huh. So I have two legit watches. But I'm wearing a watch that costs like 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish I bang them into shit. I right. just need to know what time it is. I'm not trying to impress and, anybody. And meanwhile, man.
0: you got a rack full of $5,000 pool yeah. <laughs> my My interest is not
1: in impressing other people. I'm interested in what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. you know, like my car is a 2007 right. and I'm not trying to get a 2014. Yeah. I like, I like what I like, yep. you know, when I find, I, I need to, I just need to find out what's the right shit. Yeah. What's the, what's the shit that makes you feel best? Mm-hmm. Is it, is, is it this? Is it that? Is it the watch? No nah, that doesn't make me feel good. That makes me feel like <laughs> an idiot. Right. Why is that watch? Why doesn't it have a battery? What I have to wind it with my hand that 's so right. stupid. Do you know there 's a battery now there 's an unlimited supply of them. Right, you right. stick it in? Do you know the watches with a battery cost four dollars? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with people? Dude, I got a, um, a Timex what is it a, one of those uh, those Iron Man yeah, Iron Man. I wear it when I went hunting. I bought it for hunting mm-hmm. it 's my favorite watch. That motherfucker gave me no problems, gave me a little light. I was in the middle of Montana. You know, like that's my watch. I love that watch, and I I won't. That's like a sacred watch to me. And that (laughs) that watch is like the cheapest watch I own, but it has like significance. It means something. That was that was the watch I wore the first time I killed a deer. Yeah, that's yeah, it means something. That's kind of the watch has got guts on it.
0: I read a story about a guy, uh, uh, dude. It was a a special forces team guy rolls into the team room and he's showing off his no SF SF sorry. Uh, was rolling in, and he, he had a Rolex on. He was like, yeah, check me out know, and the shit. And the guy goes, oh, that's cool. Can you do this with it? And he takes off his $60 G-Shock, and he throws it across the room and <laughs> hits the wall. He goes, let's see you do that, buddy. <laughs> you know?
1: Well, there's a and weird like, thing yeah, that we're doing. Pour, you know. There's a weird thing we're doing with watches and cars, and this is where it's wrong. It's wrong if you're trying to impress other people. If you're, it's wrong if you're spending your entire life savings to try to live in the house that everyone envies. It's right if you have this idea for a house. I've always wanted to live in a log house. Sure. Let's make this shit happen. Fuck, I'm there. I got a log house. Like, if you enjoy the art of the log house. But there's a lot of people wearing those $100,000 watches that are just, like, fucking sticking that shit in your sure. face. Letting you know. It's like it's like bad, bad Leroy Brown. <laughs> He likes to wear his diamond ring in front of everybody's nose. Right, right. Dun, dun, dun. And he's bad, bad, <laughs> on Brown. That's, what, that's the stupidity of it all. The stupidity of it all is not buying a Porsche. The stupidity of, all, uh, of it all is needing people around you to appreciate that Porsche. Yeah,
0: the, to me, the guy who buys the Porsche because he gets off on the history and the performance and he understands it and he drives it to me, I think that's cool as shit. Yeah. The fucking dentist who buys the Porsche that doesn't understand how to drive a stick shift is a douchebag.
1: <laughs> well, this the saddest thing is when I, I see a guy. He's in a nine eleven. I look over and he doesn't even have paddle shifters. He's got that automatic with the buttons on the steering wheel. And I'm like, you fucking slob, you slob. And we're engineering – I shouldn't say we because, as I've stated earlier, I'm an idiot and I'm not engineering (laughs) anything. (laughs) But even Porsche, they're engineering away from the manual transmission. There's no more manual transmission. Well, that was
0: always the thing with the 911 was that it was a fucking death mobile. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you didn't know what the fuck you were doing, it would kill you.
1: For folks who don't know, the Porsche, they – a long, long, long time ago, back before anybody read books, they put the engine in the back of the car it's behind the it's behind the rear axle it's a stupid place for the engine and back then, the cars only weighed two thousand plus pounds they only had a hundred and fifty horsepower at the most. You know when they were designing these things. They had really narrow tires, and they were really slippery. Like, if you went around a corner and you gunned the gas the wrong time, your ass end would totally kick out. They were notorious for what's called oversteering, meaning, like, as you're turning, the car steers further than you would like it to. And some people figured out how to drive with that. They figured out how to walk, broaden the the rear axle, or broaden the tires, rather, uh, stretch out the uh the, real, the rear stance, and then figure out how to accelerate out of corners. Go into them slow, but then the traction of having the weight below the back wheels like, allows you to actually you take off through. quicker. It allows you a very fast 0-to-60 acceleration. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of good things if you know how to drive. Yeah, you got so the be- ass on the drive wheels, so it puts the weight over them. Yeah. But it's interesting because they basically have spent the past... You know, several decades trying to engineer their way around a terrible idea. Yeah. And they have another car. Here's their number one problem. Porsche has a car called the Cayman. And the Cayman's their... you, know, you would call it Entry... No, no, no. That's the Cayenne. Cayenne? What's the a The Cayman, Cayman is a very small mid-engine car. And it's a beautiful car now. It used to be ugly as shit back when okay. Porsche had the 996. The right. 996 was the first water-cooled What, what was car. the cheap one? What was the... Uh... That's the Boxster. Boxster. The yeah. Boxsters the Cayman with a roof over it. Ooh. But see, the Boxster, that's the Cayman. That's the new one. It's dope as fuck. But they have to keep it underpowered. You know why? Because it's not a rear engine car, it's a mid engine car. So its balance is much better, it handles much better, its acceleration is prime, it's beautiful. And so they have to keep it about three twenty five, three fifty maximum. Isn't that they let sick? It get We're it. talking about uh, 350s is
0: underpowered, bro. It's ridiculously <laughs> underpowered.
1: The, my Porsche has 502. Is the yours all-wheel drive? Or? Uh, no, 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 no. It's rear-wheel drive. For, I'm a savage. I'm a man. You don't man. go in for that communist I don't, bullshit. That's fucking that all-wheel drive. Yeah, drives. that's the you know, that's the, na- the government trying to shrink your dick. <laughs> that's all that is. They're trying to take away your testosterone. The rear drive is where it's at. If you're going to drive a sports car, especially a Porsche, it's yeah. rear wheel drive and it's a wide body shut the fuck up You're <laughs> supposed to have a big fat rear set of tires and a lot of goddamn power and you better know what the fuck happens when that sixty forty gets out of whack oh. you gotta know how to counter steer so what? that's sick and you, ought- you should go naturally aspirated too. stop fucking around with those turbochargers yeah they're cute and everything but they don't even make the same sound. Like half of the fun of an engine is. What the about sound. your
0: Mustang? Your Mustang's got a supercharger. On, yeah, right? but that's
1: okay. Supercharger's okay because it doesn't take away from the sound. It adds right. a little extra sound. Adds a little whine. <laughs> it adds that little shit, a little fucking Robocop to the V eight. It actually is kind of cool. But a turbocharger is a real problem, man. Turbochargers they get they the muffle. Lag. Well, the the lag is sort of they it's got barely of noticeable now because they have twin turbos. It's like a car like the Nissan GTR or the 911 Turbo, barely noticeable, unless you get a hold of a GT-3. If you get a hold of a GT-3, that's the race car they allow you to drive in the street. <laughs> that car is totally naturally aspirated. So my car revs up. I have a GT-3 RS, and it revs up to 8,800 RPM. So it's like, what? <laughs> like, as it's going up like that. Is that yours? Or is no, that, that's similar? that's um that's a GT3 mine's a GT3 RS if you you google GT3 RS shark works I have a, one that I sent to this company in Northern so California. Like so you, you got like a
0: GT3 RS and then...
1: I'm like, it's not crazy <laughs> enough. You got to put some more I shit gotta on I got to send it to the baddest motherfuckers <laughs> in, in, in Porsche aftermarket. And then nice. they take it and they, they change the suspension. Every bump it goes over, it hurts my balls. you know. But I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's so loud. Dude, It'll, I
0: got to tell you, though, the, the thing you did that I will always... And I think... I, I, I'm curious. I want to ask you this question. How much... Uh, I mean, I think, do you, what's your opinion? I think that the car you had built on rides, the Sick Fish. Yeah. I think that thing, I mean, that's always stuck with me. Do you get that from a lot of car guys?
1: Yeah, they love it, but I, I give them the reality of driving that car. And driving that car for a few years, it broke down so many fucking times. Really? And... <sighs> I'm going to say this without being negative at all. There was a lot of issues in the construction of this car behind the scenes that allowed me to see things that I didn't know about the car world that mirrored the world of construction of homes, oh. mirrored the world of... There's a lot of fuckery that goes on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and unfortunately, and there's... The guys who made it, Chip Foose designed it and Troy Chepanier built it. They did a great fucking job. But there's a bunch of other people involved in these transactions that you have to deal with that are not just unpleasant, but unpleasant to the point where they inspire murderous thoughts.
2: (laughs) And I had to deal with these people
1: to the point where I had to get on the phone and raise my voice. And I don't like doing that. So there was a weirdness attached to that car. And then there was the fact they didn't do what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to make a car that I can drive. You know, I wanted a car that, you know, they had a car that they did on, the, the show was called Rides. They had a, a, a 67 Fastback Mustang that they built that was fucking beautiful. And it was, a, you know, normal lifted suspension, normal, normal height off the ground, so you could drive it around. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted a muscle car to drive around. And they made me this lowered, chop thing with giant wheels and super complicated. And show car. Trick, suspension. Total show car. And I was driving it to the comedy store every weekend. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> but this thing was not doing well. It would leave me stranded. It left me stranded several times. And more scary than that, one day I came home, I pulled into my driveway, and I'm turning to get into the garage, and my car, bank <laughs> leans to the side. This is, this is it right here. This is what, one of the few days where I pulled it into the comedy store. It's a beautiful car. I still love it, man. To this day, I kind of miss it.
0: I like the fact that you didn't fall into the Foosh two-tone trap.
1: Yeah, that motherfucker tried to turn my car into a Spanish hooker. (laughs) And I was like, that's just not happening, dog. I love silver. That silver color is beautiful. It's so gorgeous. And it accentuates the shape of the car. Yeah. So um, I pulled into my driveway. And all of a sudden, the car leans to the left, like clunk. And I get out, and I look, and the wheel... Has The suspension is separated from the frame, and the wheel is, wheel is going sideways into the fender. The fender's bent. Holy shit. And I'm like, I was just on the highway.
0: Right, right, right. Oh, I was yeah. on the
1: highway. I was going 70 miles an hour. Your wheel could have fell off. Easily. I would have been dead. I had a I had a 3-point harness and a, a, a roll cage. So maybe I'm exaggerating. I might yeah. not be dead, but I might be concussed. Fuck I might up. have been fucked up. I might, who knows when it could have happened. It could I could have been run over by a semi. Anything could have happened. And so I brought it to um um this guy in uh, Simi Valley and uh I had him uh Steve Stroop and I had him um just put the best possible suspension on it, fix it up, make it so cut all the bullshit would they fuck up? Fix that, raise it a little, keeps bottoming out you know like find out find out why these bolts separated from the suspension. What and did then, they figure out? Will something just break? It was too low. It was too low. It was bottoming out. It was so loud I couldn't hear when it was bottoming out. It was the most ridiculously rugged ride in the history of automobiles. It was like. And the, le- the sound was. <laughs> it was so loud. It was just what was, what was in it? What kind of motor? A 528 Hemi. I believe it was a 528. <laughs> I believe that was it was a, it was an engine from a truck, or a crate engine. Jesus, it wasn't even an engine that was ever offered. I, any... I remember watching that thing, and I, what? <laughs> how
0: long ago was that,
1: man? It that was f- a long time ago. It was, it was like, like 2004 or something like that. But I
0: remember ago. that. Uh, I remember that show, and I remember watching that and seeing a car. Man, that's that's the sweetest fucking
1: looking. Yeah, but here's the deal, man. My, that's that's a GTS, uh, but not a 4.0. G- put up a uh, GTS Sharkworks Kermit, if you find Kermit. My friend Alex, this used to be his car. He's the one who uh, built my car. And he made this car called uh, Kermit, but he, he had to wind up selling it. Somebody just came with too much cash. Because yeah. what, what they do is they take the GTS RS, which is Rensport. Rensport is the most... The most race ready version of the Porsche nine eleven. They cut out the back seats, they cut out all the weight, they lower the sound deadening. Does that they, have a cage in it? Yeah, yeah, mine does. And that's that's what his looks like. Mine's outside, I'll show it to you after the show. That's uh that's the green one that he had. And that car is, you know, five hundred and two horsepower, two thousand nine hundred pounds, and just fucking full twenty nine hundred pounds. And and not just flies, but it's like it's glued to the ground. It's got this feel that it gives you when you hit corners. Even if I'm going 30 miles an hour, I love the way it feels. It feels like an athlete. It feels like you know every other car is capable. And if you that's all you're looking for, you're looking for something that gets you from point A to point B. Right. I'm not judging you. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. But. It doesn't take away. There's some people like everybody has to like what they like, Mm -hmm. and if you don't like what they like, something wrong with you. You're an asshole. You're you're a fucking (laughs) homophobe. You like V8s. everybody's got to be outraged. Yeah, they got to find something that you know they like that you don't, or you like that they don't, so they. And if you you. don't like what they like, you're a dick. People are fucking crazy. But for me, um, I am, am I am madly in love with engineering. I'm madly in love with the, the craftsmanship involved in building sure, yeah. an engine and the, the just the feeling of turning the key. Do you follow F1 at all? Yes. A lo- did you see I love Dario that. Franchetti take a, a, a diver into the fucking wall the other day? Was that F1? That's not F1. That's F1. F1? No, that Man was.
0: Franchetti
1: doesn't uh, fix F1. Yeah, let me, uh, Dario, no, it wasn't. You're right. It I was, guess he's Indy. Was it Indy? Yeah, all you're right. right. It was Indy. Yes. He was released from the hospital. He's got, that guy's got an incredible car. Well, that's he's what... got a series of cars, but he's got a 1973 Porsche that he had rebuilt and put like, modern suspension on it, and a 350 horsepower engine. It's like a hot rod Porsche. His name's Dario Franchetti. Franchiti, C H I T I T T I. She's still married to. Uh, no, son, free no? at last, free at last. <laughs> thank God Almighty. Do you, you know sp- him? No, he was married to an actress, though. Yeah. I can only assume that it's for right, the rest. Exactly. <laughs> Better for assume. everyone involved. This is him uh, crashing. Yeah, look at this. He got launched into the fucking cage. Jesus Christ.
0: I lived in Indianapolis and broke uh, his
1: neck. That
0: was, you know, the Indy 500, obviously. But it's interesting to me that uh, the most of the F1 drivers uh, won't race Indy because they say it's too fucking dangerous. Well, you know, it makes sense because you know in F1 they have long straights and every you know every once in a while, um, God, what's the dude's name? Uh, it'll come to me. But uh, anyway, very rarely do guys get killed.
1: Pull up his car, Dario Franchetti, hot rod Porsche.
0: Uh, rarely do guys get killed in F1. I mean, it's happened, but it's pretty rare. Um, but in Indy, they're going 200 plus miles an hour in an oval, you know, (laughs) in F1, they've got turns and shit like that to keep them slowed down, but, uh... Is that Ferrari?
1: No, that's a Porsche. That's a that's a Porsche GT. That's it. a Carrera GT, but that's not his car. Dude, I'll tell Look, you. He's some got shit. a 1973 Porsche Hot Rod Dario. Just Google that. It's I'll a tell red you car. some shit
0: you ought to check out, man. And I'm not. I'm not a biker. I'm not a motorcycle guy. I'm not not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But something that absolutely fascinates the shit out of me is the Isle of Man TT. What's that? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you Oh fuck! I can't. What is it? The Isle of Man TT is a race that's been going on for a long time. You know what the Isle of Man yeah. is? Okay.
1: Well, well tell well, people who don't know. That's I, Isle
0: of Man is a little tiny ass island off the coast of uh, the U- England. And what they do is TT stands for Tourist Trophy, and it's been going on for I want to say like a hundred years, close to it. But uh, they shut down the roads on the island, and they have a race course that's like 16, 18 miles, something like that, all throughout the island. But it's motorcycles. It's all bikes. And it's one of the only places where these guys can go balls out on real streets. Um, it, it, I'll tell you how dangerous it is. It used to be, I think they, in the 70s, they took it off the circuit. At one time, it was on the circuit of like internationally recognized races, And they took it off because it was too dangerous. Too many people were dying. Over the history of the race, they average one to two people a year die at that race. Wow. And it's, there's, I can't remember the name of the documentary on it, but just just Google Isle of Man TT and watch some of the footage. And these guys, here, it's it's crazy. It's sick. These are streets. There's no barriers. There's no runoff areas. Nothing. Look at this. I mean oh these guys god. are going 150, you know, 180 miles an Our hour streets?
1: Yeah. Now, how does everybody know? Do they make sure that everybody knows oh, this it, is going to happen? It's a happen?
0: giant deal. Look, like this is through the mountains
1: and shit, and they're racing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. How many people die?
0: Uh, one to two a year. Oh god. Well, there's been over 200 dead since the race began. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, look at this. <sighs>
1: What what is this is this because Europeans are just used to death you know they have a long history it's, of famine and guys, shit The guys the guys
0: who run this race like you have uh uh what's the shit what's the uh, Moto GP Moto GP which is like F1 for motorcycles oh my god um but these guys
1: uh those guys don't fuck with this because it's too, you it's can too die. dangerous. Yeah. So who's doing this? The craziest of the crazy? Pretty much. Look at these motherfuckers popping wheelies. And it's- Look at the fucking camera view of this dude. What is it? What does, it, what does the speed say there? 170. Oh, <laughs> Jesus fucking <laughs> Louise. 170 with just raw body. So anytime you fall, you're dead. You die. 100%.
0: I, or you, you get really fucked up There's, forever. There was a great documentary, and for the life of me, I, I I'll I need to Google it and give you the name of it. I'm terrible with like little details and look shit. Look at
1: this fucking camera on this car. This
0: is insane. Uh, that's a bike. That's a fuck, I mean bike. Yeah, that's a like a three hundred pound motorcycle. But look at the camera. Like when you see yeah. like what he's seeing, it's nuts. It's a blur. That's what's crazy. I mean and where they get fucked up is everywhere. Like there's uh there's a somewhere if Online there's a like a greatest hits video of the Rex. And you remember that one scene where they're going through the the green fields, the beautiful, you yes. know, emerald fields, and there's like a sloping turn that goes to the right. Yeah. Something fucked up, guy just goes straight.
1: Oh Jesus. And flies. I mean he just flies. Oh my god.
0: And and he's dead. I mean, it's like <sighs> as soon as he went off the road, he was dead. Did you ever he, see that? It video? just took him about twenty seconds before he hit.
1: Twenty seconds I in mean, the just, air. Just, think about twenty seconds. That's probably a, that's probably an overestimation. 10, but five, uh, even was, five. One, f- one thousand. Were dead. Two, one thousand. Three, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Five. Yeah. Oh, you gotta Christ. you gotta
0: think. You know, the only worst thing I could think about going like that. Tigers. Nope. Uh, the fucking. Snail. Did you see the seven forty seven crash? Yes. That would fucking suck. That would suck. That would suck. Being in the cockpit. Hearing those chains break, the fucking cargo shifts to the rear, and you're like, fuck. That's yeah, a wrap. You know, you're gonna die. How much cargo was in there that made it snap like that? Uh, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I wanna say I heard M raps. MRAPs? What What's that mean? Um, Mine-resistant
1: armored personnel carriers. Oh, Jesus. They were
0: the giant-ass... They are the things that kind of replaced
1: the Humvees. Oh, Jesus. That's, but, that makes sense, the the mass and how it was just impossible to navigate. If you've never seen that video before, it was a video taken in Afghanistan of a 747 that it, it's taking off, and then somewhere in the flight... Right after takeoff, basically, yeah. The chains break, yep. the weight shifts... And it comes crashing directly. into it's the It's like ground. it just stops in midair. It's so weird. And then it just falls. It's one of the. We- it, it, I mean, it's one of the things about having you know dashboard, G, uh, dashboard cameras. Here it is, right here. See, they're oh, flying. Oh, this freaks out. me out every time. Oh, I This is see it, insane. Dude. It's flying. And what's up.
0: crazy is the dude who's taping this. I want to say he was a U.S. soldier, but he doesn't say a word during this Look whole this. time. Doesn't it, say shit. It
1: drops down, and you see it, and at this point in time, you know, you're like, oh my god. Boom. Oh. And it drops down. Have you ever That's, seen the that beat? That's so insane. Play that again, please, James. After this, I got <laughs> another great aircraft air you. That's insane. Look at this. Look at this. Imagine being in that bus and you're like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what's good. The dude who's taping it, he
0: had the audio. You can hear the audio because it it's ambient. it
1: doesn't say a fucking well, thing. Well, how, how used to trauma is this gentleman? I don't know. But, I mean, I would be freaking the fuck out. Well, that's one of the biggest issues about these wars is bringing these young people home. And giving them no tools to deal with the kind of trauma that they've seen yeah. and the reality they've experienced, and how much different that reality is than the reality of me or of a normal person who has not gone to war. Right, you're dealing with a totally different type of human with completely different rewiring of sure. the, the the possibilities of reality. And, and what's fucked up is this country has
0: done it every war they've ever had.
1: They're always gonna do it until someone 19, tells them they can't do it.
0: 1918, you know, World War One, World War Two. I mean, it's...
1: 2027 is going to be, our yes. robots killed your robots. Do you give up? Yeah.
0: And, and, you know what? And that's, that's one of the things about the drone. Uh, I'm fascinated with the drone. Drones the versus drones. Robots. I don't ever think it'll be drones versus drones. Uh, maybe it will. I don't know. Well, but that's when it
1: starts getting interesting. What, what, no, what's, right now, it sucks. Well, what's scary is drones versus humans. It's because not fair. It makes it too easy. It's like trannies. It's like a male transvestite, (laughs) transsexual fighting against female transsexuals. Oh, yeah, you got me. Yeah, I agree. That's that issue. There's a lot of people in the transvestite and transgender community that believe that uh, I'm a transphobe because I made some comments about a woman who used to be a man. I have nothing but love for that woman that used to be a man. I got nothing but love for anybody. But... I am coming at anything to completely from the point of fairness when it comes to combat sports. Sure, that's it. I could give zero fucks if you want to be a man, if you would rather be a woman. There was a there was a Navy SEAL that what was it? There was well, there was. uh, I wrote a book recently.
0: Yes, uh, Warrior Princess. Warrior Princess. Yes, Brian
1: Callen, my boy. He uh, interviewed him on his podcast or her on his podcast. Yep, I'm I'm full. And how do you, you know, I, I'm as I'm as pro gender equality as I am pro gun control, sure, or pro gun ownership, sure. I should yeah. say, I should you should
0: be able to do whatever the fuck you want, and that's where I'm at. Is like, and, and the other thing too, especially with a, with a person yeah. like that, man, woman, I don't know what the proper.
1: You it's know, a woman like, wants the trans. The, the, you yeah. the, look, but that's how I would accept any, it.
0: Any person who who serves their nation in that capacity, I mean, any person can do whatever the fuck they want. But the fact
1: of it is that, you know. They got your respect. Yeah, absolutely. And they have my respect as well. And you know what, man? Any kid who grows up that is growing up as a boy but wishes he was a girl, they have my respect too. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people in the transgender community that have been upset at you me know, about this, this, this uh, issue, about this MMA fighter. But believe to me and trust that, me, it that has is, nothing to do with anything except combat sports. That, That's to me, is a legit
0: issue because you're talking about, I'm sorry, but. This thing is not like the other. Well,
1: you know why I know it? Because At the end of I've, the day, it really isn't. Well, there's, It's there's, not equal. There's variations inside the male frame as well. You yeah. know, and I have experienced tremendous benefits from being on the fortunate side of certain genetics. Sure. Like, I have man hands. I have big, fat, stupid man hands. Yeah. And if you put a woman in a dress and if she had these man hands, she'd be a dangerous bitch. Sure. That's that's not fair. Right. It's not fair. The male frame is not fair. The the male hips are different. Renee Richards sucked as a man, as a tennis player, <laughs> but dominated bitches yeah. as a woman. Yeah, You know, and that's... It's it's just it's a matter of competition, and I don't have any problem with that competition when it comes to anything involving anything other than anything physical where you damage. Don't get to beat somebody up exactly. My if, you, if it was baseball, and all of a sudden this girl who used to be a guy is now awesome at baseball. Tough shit. Get better at baseball. Right. You know the, the the interesting thing about transgenders when it comes to non combat sports is they've never achieved world championship status. Sure. Like the most famous is Renee Richards, who became like 20th in the nation as top level as mm-hmm. a professional tennis player. That means that a dude who used to be a dude who became a woman, right. okay, becomes a woman, is a woman now, still can't be the best, you know, double sure. X chromosome right. women.
0: Well, because to me, it goes back to what we talked about. Excellence
1: at, at, at any level, no matter what, you know, so I, you're saying that if you had excellence you would accept the natural born gender that you are born with? No, 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 what I'm saying Sexual is Sexual identities are just in your what mind. What I'm
0: saying is a genetic like strength advantage cannot overcome someone
1: who has the drive and willingness to be great. That's all good on paper. It can and it can't. It depends on what the what the what the um You take a, medi- a per Here's
0: a perfect example. You take a mediocre run of the mill male pro. Okay? Okay. Now, actually, this is probably a bad example because there's a pretty big disparity in pool between men and women players, which is crazy because there shouldn't be. That's what I need to do. I need to get on the Women's Pro Tour and start dominating. Robbing people. Just
1: Tell me, can I place top 10 on the Women's Pro Tour? Chicks. Do you think I'm at my very best?
0: I guarantee you could place top 20. That is amazing. Guarantee you could place top 20. As a professional Women's I, Pool I guarantee, player, Allison Fisher I, would always rob me. I guarantee you could place top 20, but the top five would heist bitches you. bitches
1: would rob me no matter
0: heist what. you. But for now. For now. If Guy I got Young psychotic. Kim. But hey, if you had to get beat and you got beat by Guy Young Kim, there's a lot worse things There's out a there. lot worse things in life to
1: go yeah. home and sleep to <laughs> and contemplate before you sleep, meditate before you sleep. You say that, but that's if I get crazy. If I get crazy and I dedicate my life to that shit. Still, too late. I got a deck. They don't have a deck. Don't I think matter. I'm, too late. I feel late. good. Here's something about you say pool, too late. I too late. disagree. It's too no. I, it's, too late unless you involve mushrooms in the equation. Doesn't matter. It
0: does. Every you great doesn't.
1: Don't every, make me prove you wrong. Every great pool player I know was great by the time they were 21. Mm, they didn't do mushrooms. If they did do mushrooms, they would realize that you can have a rebirth at any point in time and then dedicate your site your sights then entirely come, on that how, goal. Well, that's true. There's no benefit. If there was a benefit. If there was some fucking no, Hurricane no Higgins benefit. money, No benefit. if there was some fucking snooker money, no you benefit. know if there was some real snooker money. Hey man, even you snooker
0: even snooker's not snooker anymore. No, it's not.
1: Uh, you know what? Nothing's
0: like Nothing, it was. No. Fucking NASCAR teams uh, Presidents. Do you wanna know that uh, Ford Motor Company just dropped John Force. Now I'm not a drag racing What's guy. What's John Force? John Force is the biggest name in NHRA drag racing. Well,
1: he never reached me. He never reached Re- my head. No, dude, you so know John, John Force will fuck himself. and no, you let's know John. Move Force. along. I guarantee, if I
0: showed Castrol, <laughs> you would see it. He's got Castrol? two hot ass daughters that drive too. Mm. Come on, man! Don't tell Good me. Good luck with all, with all that. Like.
1: I told no. you I like German cars. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: that's right. You're you're that guy. <laughs> I like American hey, cars, would too. would you ever
0: build another hot now, rod? Would yes. you ever build another hot rod?
1: Yes. I would, it would have to be with a friend. My, my issue with uh, building that car was that I didn't know that dude that well, and shit got squirrely. If you could build another car, what would you build? 69 Camaro or 69 Mustang. Those are my two. There's something about the Summer of Love that created, yeah. in my opinion, the perfect cars except for Mopars. Mopars became perfect at '70. Yeah, the '69 Barracuda cannot fuck with the '70 Barracuda or Challenger. Yeah, there's something about the 1970s That's cars. '69 Mustangs, a nasty oh. motherfucker too. Fastback. Though. Yes. Oh, it's it about, yeah, it oh. about as good as it gets. About as good as. Get my friend Bud Brutzman. He's Did got you a ever drive an Eleanor? Did you ever fuck no. with one? No. no. The real problem is the driving is really. <sighs> it's fun and it's interesting and you 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 you're hopping into a time machine. Sure. And
0: you're... And 25 minutes later you're done.
1: Yeah, it smells like gas, it stinks. You try to take a corner, the fucking ass end slides out on you, the brakes yeah. they lock up and leave these big black patches when a fucking cat runs in front of the road. And meanwhile, you've got this fucking UFO in the garage over yeah. here. Yeah. I had a what ruined me? I had a 996, uh, 2003 or 2004, whatever it was, 9-11 turbo. That ruined me. That motherfucker ruined me because it was... it was four-wheel drive. It was zero to sixteen under four seconds. It was Jesus. the stupidest car I've ever had in my life. And I, I had no idea that the physics of the movement that that car was capable of were possible. Right. So I would drive like a muscle car after then. It had a beautiful feeling to it, like the smell and the sound and the, the, the analog steering and the shifting of your own gears, like if you could get a standard. Sure. My My Barracuda was actually an automatic, which is one of the things I didn't like about it. But... You built a car and had an automatic put in it? It was their idea. I let them do everything. That's how it all happened. Was your man car it or how the, did that work? Well, it became – I spent the money on it for sure, but it was all them telling – I didn't know enough about the muscle car world. Sure. And so when I was having it built, I didn't – Why the fuck did they put an automatic in it? Because of the amount of power. The engine was oh. 700 horsepower. Okay. All right. 700 horsepower is an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I an mean, insane amount of power and money. But it sounds like a fire-breathing <laughs> dragon. I mean, and he was saying that the clutch just wouldn't handle it. Sure, that It was just too much fucking was power. Was there a blower on the motor? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It was a ridiculous car. It was a ridiculous car. Actually, we went up going. No, no, no. I I, I take that back. We went up going with electronic fuel injection, no blower. 700 horsepower, naturally aspirated.
0: When you drive a car like that, or like your Porsche, I could see because, like, in LA, there's Porsches everywhere. So you can kind of slip under the radar. People may not know exactly what the fuck it is. But, like, with a muscle car like that, that really just stands out. When you drove it, was it like a pain in the ass because you had to worry about where you park it? It's like and-
1: putting your dick on the mirror and then putting a magnifying glass <laughs> over your dick and then putting that magnifying glass, connecting it to a, like a gigantic speaker. <laughs> you like know one of those projector screens from high school? That's what it was like. It was... I enjoyed... It's kind of uncomfortable? What, well, I enjoyed the people that were cool about it, but I did not enjoy the people that weren't cool about it. The best thing that anybody ever said is I was at Sunset leaving the comedy store, and I was parked at... Uh, there was like a red light, and some guy was walking across the street, and the dude... It was a black dude, of course, because they just have a way with words. <laughs> he looked at my car. He goes, God damn, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he just started pointing at me. That's what I'm talking about. God damn, that's a motherfucking car god damn and he walked across the street and he's like god damn two more times he kept pointing at the car <laughs> he's like god damn that was almost worth having that all car. the bullshit almost kill you and the wheel fall off the wheel fall off was a real issue and the other real issue was the fact that i understood from reading road and track and motor trend and then online blogs I started understanding automotive technology right? because before I came into it as a comedian that, you know, stumbled upon some money and, well, that'd be pretty to drive. Like that, And then you drive it and you just go, what the fuck is this? And then I realized that I appreciated a car that actually worked as much or more than I appreciated a car that was beautiful looking. Is that why you like the Porsche Rover Ferrari? Yes. You know why I like it? Because there's a feel to it. That it's like, I know they're not as good looking. Like if I see a Ferrari, a Fer- to me, a Ferrari 458 Italia yeah. is about as beautiful as someone can engineer. Right. I mean, it might be less beautiful 10 years from now because they figure out a new shape or it might be less beautiful because there's a new aesthetic. But to me, that's like as beautiful. But who is this car for? Is it for? That's a four-five Italian. I mean, look at that fucking thing. That thing is mid-engine, fantastic Italian engineering and design. Yeah. All those slits. You see those like, where the hood reaches the bumper, and there's this like sort of triangular opening. That's for downforce and cooling. And the, the vents underneath the front bumper yeah. are all for downforce and. Co- it's a fucking marvel of engineering.
0: Plus the history, the racing history, the F1. everything. Nothing wrong with yeah. it.
1: <laughs> However. A lot of that shit is for other people, and that's where I feel like a bitch. I personally feel like a bitch when I'm doing things for other people. There's a balance between other people and myself, and I feel like that balance is almost like a gritty old muscle car or a, a 73 911 R S that you haven't really R S R that you you haven't fucking done anything to the paint in five years. You got <laughs> right. chips around patina. your wheel wells. Patina. You, you develop some patina. Right. You got a few nicks in your hood. Some you don't Steve give a Steve McQueen shit going from on from some Steve McQueen shit. <laughs> some Steve <laughs> exactly. McQueen shit for real. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. It's like we've gone to this manicured nail era. You know, you, what are you wearing, a wig? What the fuck are you doing? You know, there's, there's right. some bullshit going on where people are, they're, 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 they're gravitating towards the non-manly way. And that non-manly mm-hmm. way is pulling them there because of scarcity and yeah. because it's difficult to acquire attractive women that want to fuck you unless you appeal to their aesthetics. Well, I tell you what, what, you just touched on
0: something that I really believe in this country is, is a big thing. And maybe it's just because of the way i look it the world but the you know there is a lot of shit out there like especially modern media things like that i was here's a perfect example you look at i'm a movie i love movies me too if they're good yeah
1: and i'm a child of the 80s okay hey hold on a second let's stop this podcast and we're gonna start up another one because we're we're about at three hours, yeah, right? we
2: just gotta stop uStream. I have to stop All the right.
1: audio. We're gonna stop uStream. We're gonna come back with the audio. I'm gonna take a piss. Justin's <laughs> gonna take a piss. Yes, absolutely. You know, because people have complained, it sounds ridiculous. People people Too have complained. Long. They go, dude, you're no the opposite. Why your podcast stop at three hours? Oh, okay. We're not gonna stop at three hours. We're gonna do an additional <laughs> hour.
0: Right. But I'm we're gonna ahead. wrap
1: this bitch up right now. So the next one will be no commercials, no bullshit, no nothing. Uh, we we'll, we're, we're just gonna drain our bladders. And we got more shit to talk about. as my brother. We've been friends for, how long have we been friends now? Five years. we got Gosh. a lot of shit to talk yeah. about. I love you, man. We're going to talk some more. So let's shut this fucking podcast off. Let's thank all of our sponsors, including uh, audible.com. Go to audible.com forward slash joe and uh, get one free audio book and 30 free days of Audible service. It is uh, something that I recommend very highly. I am a big fan of audio books, I'm a big fan of Audible as a company. They've been around for a long time. The, my, my brother, uh, Steve Marmel, used to have a gig where he would uh, do five new minutes of stand-up every week. And I thought about doing that, but I'm like, I don't want that online. It's going to be terrible. It's new every week. It could be horrible. But Marmel had the balls to do that every week, and he did it through audible.com, and I thought that was a really cool thing that they did. So I've always been a fan of audible.com, and to this day, uh, a fan not just because of that, because of the service they provide. The service they provide is excellent. One free audiobook, 30 free days of audible service. Go to audible.com forward slash Joe. And uh, thanks also to Citrix GoToMeeting. Uh, Citrix, who presented us. I don't know how this works. GoToMeeting by Citrix. I don't know who these Citrix are or why you need such a fucking e-hug, but I want to give it to you. Here's an e-hug, Citrix. Meeting is uh, the, the, the name of the uh, the company. And I want you guys to uh, try this out. Go to meeting.com. Get a free uh, try it. Hit, click the try it free button and get free, uh, 30 days of go-to meeting service. Uh, it's a special offer. Use the c- promo code JRE, and go and check it out. Free for 30 days. Uh, it's an excellent service. I've heard a lot of good things about it online. And uh, like I said, eventually we're gonna do something. Maybe we'll do it like once a month. We'll have a go-to meeting, uh, online conference. We'll discuss. the the nature of the future of reality while you show me your asshole and wear a fucking (laughs) Guy Fawkes mask. But uh, until then, go to go2meeting.com. use the promo code JRE, and try it free for 30 days. It's an excellent service, and it allows you to have meetings with people when you're not actually able to physically touch them. Okay. (laughs) All right, you fucks. We'll be right back in about five minutes with my brother Justin, and uh, that's a wrap.